Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Basketball PH Podcast. Enjoy the show. What is up, mga paps? How are you? Malapit na ang weekend. Uh, we have another episode for today. So this is going to be the last installment of our Position Battle Series. And this is going to be super special because, you know, uh, we've tried and asked our good friends from our the international scene to really drop by, share their thoughts. Now, we are going to be graced by the presence of uh, a certain representation from the country so if if you're aware there's uh there's we have actually a representation say international scene and if you've been following those uh, sports analysts there, there's been a long running uh around i think that's a 30 team deep industry drafts wherein uh this dude is actually representing us uh, here in the philippines uh again one of the reasons that i started this uh, podcast is i do believe that filipinos are you know should be on the upper tire in terms of those fans that love basketball and then it it's just it's just weird that not all of us knows how to play fantasy basketball so that's one of the drivers of why we try to give you uh contents and you know help out and reach uh, every filipino basketball fans you know uh, enjoy the fun of playing fantasy basketball and if you are a new fantasy basketball gm or even a tenure gm i think uh, something that I would like to suggest for you to check out is uh, Hoopball. So if you check out the hoop-ball.com, there's a lot of things there that could help you out in terms of understanding uh, the players, the strategy. And then also, there's what we call uh, Aaron Bruski's Top 150. So later on, we are going to ask our guests to talk about this more. And without further ado, let me pull in our guest. Mr. Eric Ong of Hoopball. Let's go. What's up, sir? Hi, Papi. Thank you for having me on your show. Nice to for be sure, here. For sure, for sure. It's been a while. I, I, you're one of those uh, guests that I've been really chasing since I started this, uh, you know, uh, mini project of mine, the, the podcast. So it's really a very special day today. How are you today, bro? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing well, thank you. Um, and yes, to acknowledge what you just shared and um, just to, to let all your listeners know, yes, Poppy was uh, wanting me on his show since last season. I was just unfortunately too busy to um, to come because it was a, a surprise season, a rushed season, in <laughs> fact. And I, I I didn't have the time, but now I do, and I'm I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy. To support uh, a fellow a fellow Filipino uh, content creator when it comes to fantasy basketball, and um, you know just you know support each other, support local, right? That's what we say here in the Philippines. So it's support yeah. local right now. Exactly, Pinoy pride. So um, before we really uh, check out uh, the the offerings that you have at Hoopball, um, let me ask: uh, How did this? Uh, what's the journey of Eric Ong in terms of fantasy basketball? Um, articles, uh, fantasy basketball leagues, 
and how did you uh came from like maybe just a fan during your 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 high school days or college days and now you're into the fantasy basketball scene okay so my journey started all the way back in 2003 when um one friend of mine uh uh i'm with a group of friends who enjoy playing board games i was playing board games back then i know they're um, beginning to get popular nowadays but i was already into that kind of thing back then one one night we were board gaming at the friend's place and he goes hey you you know we the conversation drifted towards the nba and he goes hey there's this game on yahoo etc cetera, etc cetera. it's called fantasy basketball i go well what's that and it it, it went from there we, we we were like i think seven or nine managers only just us friends and it was my very first league and uh i was surprised that you know we didn't know what was happening it was it was so much so that it was an auto drafted league that the system drafted for us and i think i i'll never forget it it was extra special because at that time i got i was fortunate fortunate enough to get dirk novitsky and i won that first very first inaugural league um and from then i was hooked and every time we'd get together for those board game nights we'd spend you know time chit chatting over coke and pizza hanging out at the balcony of my friend's place and we'll talk about nba players and you know you know sean marion is you know perfect because he has you know no flaws in his game etc cetera, etc cetera. um and and we we'd have a long conversation about it so much so that our our friends who are not into the nba are just sitting inside waiting for us to finish chatting <laughs> and um i guess three years later i i go i wanted to, to do something of a project i got into blogging so i i started my own personal blog about fantasy basketball because when i read about how to start the blog they go pick a topic that you're you know you're very knowledgeable about, et cetera, so you can create content. And I figured, you know, if I can spend two hours just chatting with my friends about these NBA players, their stats, and how I can build teams around them, et cetera, then yeah, I figured I'd try it. And that was the start of my journey blogging. From there, I joined another blog where with two other American bloggers, two American bloggers who were doing it as a hobby. The name of the blog was called Give Me the Rock. At that time, no. Give Me the Rock was the biggest um, independent blog not associated with, let's say, a big uh, TV or um, entertainment franchise like ESPN, CNBC, CBS, etc. So we were the biggest independent blog out there because we would generate content on a daily basis. Uh, unfortunately, you know, after some time, because my friends who got were you know doing that blog, uh, they, they moved on because it was just a hobby to them. But I was still hooked and I still wanted to do it. Um, after that, I got some, you know, gigs writing articles for like sports. I, I guess wrote for Sports Illustrated twice, you know, maybe three times. Um, I did a how-to article. Um, here for fhm.com.ph, etc. Um, and I collaborated with those same friends and we wrote a book. It, it sold on um, Amazon or whatever. And, and thanks to them, 
because we were known in in the in the industry about of writing fantasy basketball, uh, I re I represented our blog one time and I took up the slot representing the blog in the thirty deep and the, there's this thirty deep and for all of you who are listening and are unaware, there is this uh, league that's held every year that's thirty teams deep and every manager in that league is some kind of expert or that's why we call it an experts league it's everyone's either a fantasy basketball writer or a former writer etc so i i joined there representing that our, our blog and I, I got to stay because i on my first year i made the playoffs so i've been in that league for like seven years now and i i've made the playoffs six times which is mm -hmm. I, I think pretty good and it speaks uh to 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 the success that i've had um and that's where I've encountered the likes of Aaron Bruski, Dr. A, Rick Kamla. I mean, I've played against those guys, people you read about or, you know, whose content you absorb in the internet, you know, in one shape or form. Um, fast forward a few years later, after having tried to solo blog again, I found it difficult and wanted to give up. I, I stumbled on, on Hoopball. I found out that Aaron was um, no longer with Roto World. He used to be with Roto World when I first met him. And he went solo and he started his own thing here at Hoopball. And I I went to the application section and I emailed him and I applied. Hi, it's me, Eric Ong. Um, I hear you're looking for writers. And I I was well received because he knew me already from from leagues and I've you know uh, he knew basically that I knew how to play the game. I knew that you know how to write about the content and 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 from there I've been with hoopball ever since and now I'm an starting from a regular writer analyst I'm now an editor and um my my job there is during is I I watch the I oversee the writers who write um during the games and we blurb and we tweet right similar yeah. that you you see on Twitter so each time our hoopball accounts tweet about you know ongoing stuff or game recap recaps, it's done by a writer and I'm overseeing those writers. So that's you know every day you know while the season is ongoing. Mm -hmm. And as of now, pre-season, before you know we're I, I've been um, writing, busy writing a lot of articles because. Every year we come up with a draft guide, and that's one of our offerings here as part of our, um, you know, products. I, I I've written several articles, and my latest article, which I'm happy to say, is a sixteen team nine cat head to head um, draft recap, a real one, not a mock draft. This you know it's uh, it's you know it's five thousand peso entry fee, so it's not. It's not small. It's you know people have uh, an something to play for, and it's one of the more competitive leagues that I play in. Um, and I recap that draft, and I was able to post it, and that content is now available for our subscribers. So if you want, you know, a lot of people are sharing, you know, mock draft results, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But here at Hoopball, I'm giving you real. I mean, these are these are real picks by real managers who want to win, right? So it's it's more useful information than what you would get as far compared to a mock draft because you know mock draft sometimes 
people mess around, people do meme picks, etc. But <laughs> if it's a, if it's if, when there's five thousand bucks on the line, you want to win, right? So, um, but the, the the catch was it was because I'm when I'm playing with this group of people who are, and I guess the only, the best way to do it to say it is in Filipino. They're so attacked. They could not. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They, they, they could not wait, and they we finished the draft before September, basically. Wow. So, so we finished um, something like just before September one, and the draft was over. Um, and now in the group chat, we're just twiddling our thumbs and waiting because they couldn't wait. So I'm not really fond of that. I don't like drafting too early because uh, that was before the Ben Simmons news, for example. Yeah. So that was before the TJ Warren use. So, oh, so someone drafted TJ Warren. <laughs> someone drafted TJ Warren earlier than everyone oh. else. In, because, I mean, you assumed that he was going to be playing, but yeah. so we didn't know that he was going to be out indefinitely, etc. And that news broke while we were in the middle of the draft. We were, at the time, Yahoo just opened, but we draft slow in a group chat on Facebook Messenger. And, you know, we... We we pick that way, uh, but there. So, but the good thing about it is it's it gives me some insight. And and these guys, um, with due respect to them, they're very they're very solid in the sense that they they don't follow the Yahoo ADP. They don't follow what you see. So when you say so and so is supposed to go here, uh, okay, let's get start to segue into the topic of centers. For example, Yusuf Nurkic, where 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 does Yahoo have him? Um, something in like 60s, 70s, right? Something like that. Yeah. Past yeah, mid. But, yeah. He went in the 40s in our in our in our draft. So these people f- still project him as a top 50 bounce back guy. That's an example of content right there for you. Now whether I agree or not, that's a different story. I think it was a tad early, and I think that he could could have and should have gone a bit later than he did. But it's sixteen teams with two centers, so you have to take into con- in, into account the context of the scarcity of centers, and that's another topic that we'll probably be discussing in a while. So we have to fill two center slots, and you know Nurkic was one of the more common mid round centers who's been a, a mid round center for for a lot of years now. You know, injuries notwithstanding. Yeah, and he was actually highly drafted last season. People are drafting him in the second round last season as far yeah, as I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super overkill. <laughs> people tend to do that when, you know, uh, people are getting hyped by uh, <laughs> and the, the content that they see in the internet. So, thank you so much. If you really want to follow our uh, Eric Ong, is, uh, his Twitter handle is at Protomancer. And then yeah, uh, also for... Yeah. Yep, and then there's there's also a YouTube um, content for Hoopball. There's also something, uh, a podcast content by uh, Dan Despis, uh, Care of Hoopball. And then, uh, like what uh, Eric said earlier, there's uh, other Twitter accounts, actually two that I see. That's at Hoopball Fantasy and that's at Hoopball Tweet. So guys, if you really haven't seen or checked out these contents, you're actually missing a lot. You You, you will learn. Definitely. If you're a new GM, this is going to be solid for you. If you're a uh, uh, an existing GM, a tenure GM, maybe this is the time. You really, you know, uh, try to step up and learn more. And how would a certain uh, fantasy analyst would uh, project 
a player compared on how you usually project. So that's going to be a learning experience, definitely. Okay, so let's move to our main topic. By the way, for today's episode, we are going to talk about center. So uh, like what Eric said, this is something that people usually you know, tend to get as early as possible. Uh, I remember the first time I played fantasy. Um, I don't know a lot of players. And then there were uh, uh, GMs that are uh, really racking up bigs to the point that in the mid-round, I even don't know any players there. And then I don't have a center until round, like round 10 or something. So it was a mess. So it's it's and then I guess you know I just learned how to play fantasy. I end up having like six guards. <laughs> Luckily for me, those guards are uh, you know well known and uh, good guards to the point that during the the actual season, I, I had the chance to do some transactions and trades to you know uh, really um, convert that uh, guard value into a center. Because if some GMs are really racking up uh, a specific uh, position in your league, I'm pretty sure it will, you know, um, skew the whole distribution, right? So uh, it's going to have like a different value in terms of uh, trade value during the actual season. So let's see what uh, the the thoughts and takes from Eric uh, in terms of the matchups that we have for today. So first off, it's going to be Carl Anthony Downs against Joel Embiid. Who would you rather have? Ooh, I... <clears throat> I I definitely go straight for Cat Carl Anthony Towns, um, and it's it's very straightforward as to why it, it's durability. Prior to last season, when you know he missed uh, a lot of games because of COVID and his his, his actual injuries, he was actually durable, uh, considered one of the more durable centers before last season. So I think that he can return um, closer to his old form. And he was a top five draft pick mainstay um, in fantasy for like, you know, three, four seasons now um, because of his solid, well-rounded stat line. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that Joel Embiid is, you know, that he's better than Joel Embiid. I think on a per-game basis, Joel Embiid is superior to Carl Anthony Towns, um, statistically speaking. It's just that, you know, he started off his career injured. Um, he's had constant knee problems hounding him and he has um, missed so many games due to um, maintenance and load management and especially if you're playing in the head-to-head format when you know a a missed game on a certain week by a key player I mean these two centers are first round draft picks in fantasy and if let's say Joel each of them have four games this week they're matched up against each other but Joel Embiid misses one game, you know, he plays three instead of four because of load management or rest or whatever. Uh, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns would have the edge because he plays four games versus the three that Joel Embiid ended up playing. And that's, you know, the short answer of why I would go for Towns over Embiid. Yeah, and I remember uh, the first three season of Carl uh, Anthony Towns, he was highly touted that as, uh, as the, like, the new Iron Man of fantasy as far as i remember uh, another thing that i could say in these two centers are you know they if you're drafting in the first round usually the thinking there is who are the players that could really end up as the number one fantasy uh player for this season so i guess these two guys has that capability 
But of course, uh, just to really kind of like defend the other dude here, Joel Embiid. Uh, in for my end, I think uh, this is going to be a big season for Joel Embiid. Um, he actually tasted how would it feel to be on top of the league, uh, being a, an MVP candidate. I guess he's too um, competitive enough to the point that he wanted to win that specific award. And maybe that pushes Joel Embiid to uh, play more uh, games. Um, actually, his games last season aren't that bad because that's 51 games out of, I guess, 72 games, right? So, um, uh, the, on how we perceive Joel Embiid, he might slide because people are really, you know, are now very cautious about um, injured players. So, in just alone, that's going to be value for you, uh, the ones who will end up getting uh, Joel Embiid in the last part of the first round. Also, if you check out those players in the first round, there's just a few of them that in, can really influence your free throw percentage. So um, getting that influence from uh, a center is kind of like, you know, an add-on because Joel Embiid really shot a lot of uh, free throws with good percentages last season. He was actually rocking up uh, almost uh, eight and a half uh, over 10 something. So uh, for me, that's a great way to start off your um, team, especially if you wanted to really, you know, polish and get some uh, bigs in the middle round, like maybe um, Capella or maybe other centers that doesn't really shoot well. So getting an Embiid kind of like really meshes that up in terms of uh, having or maintaining a good percentage for your bigs. So that's my take. Okay, but yeah, you know, I, I agree, I agree totally. And um, it's a common um, assumption well, not a common expectation actually that uh, the average big man does not shoot free throws very well. And there are only a handful, only a handful who shoot free throws well. And those um, particular centers are um, valued highly because they do not have a drawback in that statistical category. Um, and that's why they're they're special. And um, in most cases, and just to add something for your listeners, the the general impression is, you know, it's it's centers are rare. There's this scarcity impression that they're you know it's it's so hard to find centers. Um, to an extent, that's true because there's only so many fantasy viable centers. Let's say for a for a fourteen team league that are playable. Uh, or who can provide quality fantasy output. Um, what I do have to say, and based on my observations from the drafts that I've already participated in and, and from my assessment of where players are being ranked, this year, the spread is actually very good. Okay, You have, so, so let's say, like um, two to three center-eligible guys in the first round, maybe. Um, after that, there, you have another four guys in the second round and so on and so forth. It's not like um, guards that point guards that the concentration is very top heavy. Now after the second round, there's a drop off. Then the gap is, is really huge. The spread of centers, almost every round, you'll probably be able to, to pick up a center. So um, the situation of choosing position over value, which I do not recommend as a strategy, you know, pick value over position, and they will come around when you can pick your position to fill later on. 
because like what we were discussing and from your experience that people were grabbing centers because there's and then this is something that happens during drafts that a panic occurs they're worried they're fearing of missing out on a center so they will reach even though the centers who provide the appropriate fantasy value from where from the round that they already play drafting at it, it, it they're, they're reaching they're missing out on the value of let's say a shooting guard who's who will provide better value overall so I, I i'd recommend just wait go go pick a different position if you have to um and because the spread is good you will be able to let's say find another decent solid center maybe in round four round five you don't need to force picking centers you know but as a rule of thumb okay i would probably suggest it would be nice if you could pick maybe at least one within the first four rounds there that's the general advice you know if you're if your league has two centers get at least one within the first four rounds that's that's a nice safe rule of thumb then you can get your second maybe later on in the draft i totally agree uh, that's the reason why like forwards like the the likes of chris middleton and tobias harris who are usually per ranking like ahead of a couple of good centers like clean capella uh and maybe uh maybe john collins or uh Jonas Valanciunas. they usually drop uh they have more value because people will definitely reach those centers and you know you'll get uh those uh solid forwards on the value okay and then earlier we were talking about uh solid uh free throws right speaking of free yep, throws yep. this this next uh uh matchup is uh well, specifically, Bam Adebayo really surprised us. Me, personally, I was surprised on how much free throw he was really taking last season. Maybe because uh, Jimmy Butler isn't uh, like available most of the games. But actually, it was surprising how uh, Bam Adebayo took a lot of free throws and he really have a decent percentages. And then he's uh, going to be against Nikola Vucevic, who has been a very, very solid center for quite some time right now. If you wanted that efficient center that can, you know, provide a lot of stats and won't be uh, like a top value like Carl Anthony Towns or Joel Embiid, then the next uh, option that you have for sure is Nikola Vucevic. But now he is playing on a team that has several, um, you know, main man players as well. I think he's going to be like their second uh, main player for the Chicago Bulls. So, uh, with that said, how would you like assess this matchup? Would you have uh, Bam or Vuce here? Oh, um, now first of all, I, I'd like to say that I expect both of them to you know take a slight hit this season compared to last um, because of the changes to their teams. Uh, Bam, because Kyle Lowry is joining the Heat. And it'll affect the number of assists that Bam will be able to dish out. He used to be the secondary playmaker after um, Jimmy Butler. But with Kyle Lowry there, that's going to change things. And one of the biggest appeals, uh, one of the biggest appeal that um, Bam has is his higher than normal assist rate for a center. It's, it's, it's as if that he's, you know, um, passing at the rate of, let's say, a, a good passing shooting guard, for example, or a low output point guard. Um, the same can be said also about Vucevic. He's going to take a hit because of the arrival of DeMar DeRozan, who's going to take a lot of touches in terms of scoring. So his points are going to go down. And 
also his passing. I mean, Vooch is an underrated passer. He he he's a decent passer actually from his days in in Orlando. But those assists are going to go down because of the arrival of Lonzo Ball and even Demar Derozan himself is 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 transitioned his game given his age into a more supportive role instead of being a top scorer. He's he's passing a lot more and and Vooch won't be able to to rack up 3.5 assists per game anymore. So th- those are going to go down. So his points are going to go down. And to answer the question, I'd probably still go with Vooch here because I think his three-point shooting, which is, I think, like a two-and-a-half threes per game last season, that's that's still going to be there because um, the, bull, the Bulls need it. And he's still going to get uh, those rebounds. Which you know he was a nightly twenty ten threat with good free throw, and he can you know occasionally give you a steal, occasionally give you a block. Um, so he won't be a, he might not be a twenty ten guy. He might his scoring might slip down to eighteen or nineteen now, but but still the efficiency will be there. So I'd lean slightly more on Vooch over back. Nice, nice, and also these two uh, centers are also durable in terms of. You know their historical um, game plays uh, per season. So uh, choosing anyone from this is going to be a value for you. But if uh, just to really, you know, uh, what what I think for Bam is something. This was already uh, mentioned by Eric on how he influences uh, dimes as well. Um, it's something that is, you know, at least you have like that mini Jokic in your team getting either Vuce or Bam here. Uh, but uh, another stat that Bam really excels are steals. Getting steals uh, from a center maybe really helps you out. Uh, maybe part of the strategy is you know getting the, the usual wherein you're getting guards and then forwards and then you're trying to get wings that uh, does that snipes and steals at the end of the the draft. At least you have Bam, wherein you already have that foundation of uh, at least you know sure that you have steals already. In your uh, rocking, uh, someone that rock, can rock up steals in your current lineup. So uh, again, another thing that I love about Bam is, despite playing the finals last season, he really played a lot, a lot of games despite despite of that situation. So it means how how Miami is giving, letting him play as, as much as he, as much as he can whenever they feel the, he is healthy. He 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 infected play in the uh, Olympics uh, this past uh, month. So uh, you know uh, he he isn't the player that uh, Jokic was before. Wherein Jokic were earned providing solid stats in the first few months, and then will eventually rack up stats uh, in the middle uh, of the season, right? So uh, on the other hand, Bam doesn't have that uh, you know uh, history. He uh, off the bat, he can really provide that energy, what he usually does. And then being that lone, solid uh, main guy in the front court of Miami, who I think would definitely have a lot of pressure to win this season because, you know, their their main players are kind of old. So that's something that also kind of pushes me that, hey, I think they will definitely lean with their big three, which is Bam, Lowry, and uh, Jimmy Butler this season. So meaning... More games played, more minutes they wanted to win, then maybe it will generate uh, a lot of stats for us fantasy fans. So that's my take for uh, Bama de Beo. So this is going to be you know, uh, something that you'll encounter during the, the rounds, especially if you play Yahoo, because 
they are not super far apart. Um, the next matchup that we have right uh, now are good rebounders. So if you'll end up uh, missing those centers that you know doesn't usually provide uh, blocks, then these two guys, especially uh, Valanciunas, was really killing it, uh, especially last season. Now these two uh, were highly, you know, um, highly recognized last season during drafts to the point that Aiton were being picked like in the second round. And then people now turned sour on him because, you know, <laughs> he ended up not providing a lot of stats. But during the finals and during the playoffs, he was actually big for the Phoenix Suns. So with that said, uh, with the changes with Valanciunas from uh, the Memphis Grizzlies to New Orleans uh, Pelicans, wherein he has like better forwards, I guess, that could, you know, take away some rebounds. What do you think would be their, uh, you know, value for this season? Because um, I, I see several different takes for Aiton uh, in terms of being drafted early or being, you know, sour that, hey, I think uh, uh, Aiton only plays well <laughs> during playoffs. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah, the, these guys are trending in opposite directions as far as I'm concerned. Uh, even though um, if you, a lot of people look at last season stats and and see that Aiton finished far, far from the the second round zone that he was drafted, and you know we're disappointed. But um, a lot of things that stuck to people's minds were, was his performance in 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 the playoffs and the finals, for example, where he was a field goal generating monster, and you know solid free throw, reliable rebounds, and and his blocks were actually, you know, coming along nicely. So for from my experience and what I've seen so far, the sentiment is still very bullish on him. He's I've seen him go in the 20 to 25 range. So people are still still want Aiton. Uh still think that he they're hoping at, at the very least that there will be some carryover from the momentum that he was able to build during the playoffs last season and and take it into the regular season as part of his expected growth as a player because he's still in the in the low 20s as a player he's very young on the other hand you have this 30 year old Valanciunas who saw his numbers get bloated um with the grizzlies because you know most of the season jaron jackson jr missed most of the you know last season um Valanciunas became the second uh scoring option for for, for the grizzlies after after morant and um, he thrived because he was he was the only reliable big man they had, um, and he was you know a twenty ten threat nightly, and he shot you know free throws pretty well, so he had very very little drawbacks and you know finished in the top thirty range as far as uh, centers went. But now with the Pelicans, it's a totally different story. You have this uh, phenomenal. Uh, freak of nature in Zion Williamson that you're going to share the paint with sometimes. And he's, he's, he's just a monster. He's like, he's like the Hulk. You have to get away or otherwise, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be a different story. Uh, I, I, I like Valanciunas because he's, he's solid as far as his game. You know what his game is, you know what, you know, his style of play he, he hangs out in the paint. He's, he's actually grown to become a bit more um, 
competitive as a passing center because he's he's more mature. He shares the ball a lot more, um, and that's going to be helpful. But uh, compared to the last season, the outlook is not. I don't see him being a a top thirty guy that he's going to drop definitely. And I think it's better to take him farther. So so different directions and definitely based on the sentiment of of the of the people drafting, I I think I'm on board. I I would prefer to to pick eight and a bit later than twenty, or later than twenty in in that range. But that's where he's going, and that's and he still seems to be like the popular pick. Um, it it's like he goes somewhere in the neighborhood of where Zion has been going. Uh, Valanciunas, on the other hand, you know, is 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 really a mid round guy, while Aiton is still considered an early round guy. So it's it's pretty far. Yeah. The- for me, the, the best case scenario for uh, Jonas Valanciunas here is if uh, they will let Zion Williamson play that point forward type of a role for the New Orleans Pelicans, who would I, I'm actually assuming would have like a, a faster pace this season with the change of the the the, co- the head coach. So maybe that you know kind of like uh, help Jonas because he uh, uh, Zion will be coming like uh, on top of the key and then. He is a very solid, uh, you know, um, uh, behind the basket type of uh, big. Then maybe they would isolate that, and then there will be also instances wherein Jonas can really stretch out. He started really shooting and rocking snipes last season. We we saw that not that much as like Vooch, but uh, the, these international players are really <laughs> killing the American players in terms of you know, um, uh, aside from Brook Lopez, who really adjusted. Their, their 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 game maybe that's also the reason why people uh, not only uh, people in fantasy but also in reality really love what Jaren Jackson can do because he's a big that can really rack up shots outside um in on, on my end maybe he gets to be that splash mountain type like Brook Lopez uh as like uh if ever Brandon Ingram or um Zion takes that point forward role in the in the Pelicans. Uh, we're not sure because they they got Devonte Graham. Uh, maybe they love Devonte there, but uh, and that's another in, an incentive for me for Jonas Valanciunas because um, I, I always joke about Devonte Graham. Wherein I, I I ask people that love Devonte Graham on what type of house do, would uh, would <laughs> they like Devonte to build because you know he's a brick city type of guy. Maybe Dylan and him could help out to build houses for <laughs> for people, right? So if that's the case, as good as Valanciunas is as a rebounder, maybe that helps out uh, Jonas Valanciunas. But then again, uh, there's a lot of things that to be considered. This is going to be a something that we should monitor uh, preseason. How the new coach will impact these players, the pace, the new guards, because Lonzo is a very, very solid um, fast-paced guard to the point that he really helps you out and rocks up uh, a lot of dimes. And without Lonzo, this is going to be a big change for New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, something that I also think is New Orleans Pelicans uh, is going to be aggressive to be in the playoffs this season, uh, lo- looking at how they built their team. So, uh on the other hand, the Andre Ayton, I'm one of those players that were excited last season with the Andre. I even really was, uh, you know, it, it was a fun league, kind of like not super serious when I tried to get the Suns top three. 
<laughs> I got uh, Devin Booker and Aiton back-to-back at the last round. And then got uh, CP3 on the third round. But uh, yeah, it was hard for me to see me uh, losing every week after week because I have Booker and Aiton. So, you know, uh, that happens. But uh, I think DeAndre Aiton has that promise, that upside. For sure, for sure. We all know that since his rookie days. Uh, he... It's, it's kind of weird because um, the, the only reason that I thought that this, you know, you know um, him not providing solid stats despite having a point guard in his side is his attitude or his confidence maybe. But that was really, you know, that struggle was really clear during the playoffs. So that's our expectation. Maybe he can do that. Imagine him doing that on the whole regular season. So that's going to be a different story for the Andre Ava. Next up here, uh, these are kind of like another, for me, uh, players that people would reach when they forgot to drop centers down the line. People love players that blocks. I remember those seasons where people are drafting Drummond and DeAndre Jordan back-to-back. It's like kind of like a, a thing before, uh, if you're the last pick, you're going to draft those players. Now, when you end up not getting a big, uh, at least in mock drafts, I'm, I'm really seeing um, Jared Allen being rich to the point that there's a lot of solid uh, forwards and players still available. But um, um, Jared Allen is being uh, you know, drafted way, way too early. I understand like, the like, upside. Like how early? Like how early? Around, R- R- around five. Okay. Around that area. And I, I, I do believe yeah. yeah there there are several there's still several options there and then uh after in those areas well there's like uh center eligible players that you could drop up you have pj washington in that area you have um uh, robert covington at least so um for me um it's like taking the best case scenario for 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 throw here we we all love what he does as, aside from the free throws right but on the other hand you you'll end up seeing Yakupertal available. <laughs> so it, they're kind of like reverse. Wherein if someone from your team from your league uh, like reaches with Jared Allen, for me to, to be honest, in terms of clarity of the 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 role and minutes, I'm really leaning more on Yakupertal. I think he doesn't have someone in the in the in the Spurs uh, like you know um, that would take out his role. How good. He is as their defensive anchor. I'm I'm not sure that uh, the new centers that they have are really you know uh, has that defensive presence that Jakob Pertel has. Thing is, people hate Spurs, uh, but for me, I, I'm a hardcore Spurs fan. And then people hate Pop, <laughs> especially in fantasy, because I do understand how really uh, Pop uh, you know uh, caps the the fantasy value of uh, his players. But um, personally, I would rather have Jakob Pertel if. I have like a chance and I think we will have a chance to really get Jakob Pertel just in case because people aren't, you know, really reaching out for Jakob Pertel. H- how about you, Eric? What can you say about these two uh, centers? Yeah, I think you, I, I think I'm on board more or less with what you're, what you've already said. Um, there's, yeah, people are reaching for Alan um, because he's supposedly the center of the future of the Cavs, et cetera, et cetera. But, they have a crowded front court, actually, if you think about it. Um, and I'm not even counting the the waste of time that Kevin Love is gonna bring <laughs> to that front court. I'm talking about, you know, they drafted a solid 
well-rounded center in Evan Mobley. And they got via sign and trade Laurie Markkanen, who I assume is going to play, you know, starting power forward. Fine, he does not compete with 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 Allen in the paint, but you know, there's only going to be so many minutes to be shared by all of the big men, you know, and, and they 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 have you know at least they they were able to finally offload Larry Nance. I mean, it used to be four way, five way, um, yeah, you know, logjam. So, yeah, I think the tendency is people are reaching for Allen way too much. I am a portal fan. I I, I think that. Um, you can also get him later than you would normally um, find Allen. And if all you're after is something like nine rebounds and two blocks, you know, and solid field goal, and only a slight hit in your free throw, if you have, um, it, okay, well, when you look at free throw, don't just look at the number, okay? It, it, it may be in the low, let's say, 60s or even in the 50s, but if his volume is low, and let's say you 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 have a Lillard or a Harden as your early pick, it won't really hurt your team because their volume is so high and they, they hit their free throws at a, at a high clip. Somebody like Portal won't, you know, drag that category too much. So when you're, you know, planning or drafting your team, take that into account. So don't 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 get too afraid of that unless you're you've already punted that that category and you don't really care. And at which case you should actually draft him a lot earlier because his valuation is worth more if you're already punting in head to head. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I I prefer Portal a bit more. Um, I, I think he has a lot less competition for minutes, and that's why. Yeah, I'm super excited with Portal as well, especially on how I see people, you know, value him. I think he's he's gonna save a lot of GMs. Uh, in those situations wherein you forgot to drop centers early. So at least you have Jakob Pertl uh, available there. And next up here are kind of like the old generation, one of the, for me, the most skilled big that we have right now, Al Horford. Uh, he's actually the mentor of uh, uh, Robert Williams. So it's going to be fun to see them playing with each other this season. And... This upcoming uh, center that was mentioned uh, earlier already by Eric Crane, he's also touted to be that kind of like skilled Chris Bosch, Al Horvath type of a center. So this is uh, uh, something that is going to, f- of I think, will end up choosing between how would we assume the minutes that these both players will play. Because they really have competitions in their, you know, in the, in their rotation, both, both, both of them. But do you think you would rather like you know have Mobley when he's really ranked higher than Al Horford, and then Al Horford on the other hand, it's for me it's kind of I still have a dilemma on how would I rank Al Horford. I would, I'm also I can see him as a decent center still for the season, despite having that you know low rank. Uh, I think he will play more, especially that you know Boston isn't that good to be honest they they really need as much of help as they can especially on how they performed last year so uh, i think uh, al horford is going to still play a big role in the boston celtics to the point that he's going to give us you know a decent uh, amount of stats and he is going to be a value pick uh, down the line cuz he he's actually being drafted like round 12 or round 13 in in several situations in mock draft so uh, what can you say about these two, you know, uh, opposing era centers? Wow. So we have an oldie and a baby. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Let, 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 let's. One thing I'll, I'll I'll start off with. Both of them are gonna give you headaches. Both, if you if you're gonna be drafting them, they're gonna give you headaches. You're gonna experience a bit of frustration. In the case of Mobley, he is a rookie, so even though he's projected to have a nice stat set, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, you know, he because he can shoot the three and block shots. Um, like I said, it's crowded in Cleveland, and that's yeah. going to be a problem. And um, <clears throat> we, we don't know exactly how he's going to be able to adjust to play against bigger, stronger centers who, um, you know, he might not be able to defend, and he will have to be benched by the coach. A, a good example of that is the, the other, his, his, his front court partner in, um, in in the Cavs, and that's Jared Allen. I will I will never forget back when he was with the Nets and he was supposed to be guarding Joel Embiid and he was just useless. So useless <laughs> that the, the coach just sat him. And it was like uh, Atkinson, I think, was still the coach at the time. He just benched him because he was just too useless and could not slow down Embiid. Um, and because uh, Mobley is one of the, you know, a lankier kind of, of, of big man, he's not, you know, really muscular. And he needs to to still work on his strength, so he, he will be hit or miss on certain weeks. But he's more of a dynasty guy that you know he's gonna be great down the line. But he might frustrate you in his first year. Now, going to our oldie here, top. You know, we 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 can we could pencil in Horford as you know have a top seventy five kind of ceiling if you're just talking about per game numbers because he's a guy who can do it all. He can shoot the three. He's a great passer. He can block shots. He can steal the ball. He can rebound. And he's not a bad free throw shooter. It's just that he doesn't do all of those things at high volumes. So he does a little bit of everything. But he is very old. Um, <laughs> he's in, you know, uh, he's in the wrong side of 30. And he will definitely undergo, um, you know, load management. Because if you are the Celtics, you want to preserve him and you will need him um, yeah. for the playoffs. You don't want him to, you don't want that wear and tear of an 82 game grind of a regular season to uh, to impact him when you need him the most. Because he's, you know, he's a smart player there. And that's what I have to say about Orp. He's a very intelligent, um, a big man who, and that's why his game has lasted so long. And that's why he's still productive despite his age. His fantasy game and the, the stats he produces um, is very suited, so that you know because he's an across-the-board contributor, he gets value. But then he's gonna miss games, and that's also gonna be frustrating. And if I had to pick, I'd still probably lean on Horford, because you know even though there's a missed games here and there, um, I know what I'm getting because I have a history of what. Uh, he produces statistically. Evan Mobley still has to show me what he can do. Yeah, yeah. You, you're supposed to be able to give me so and so stats, but I have no, um, you know, historical basis to to show me that you you are going to be able to do that in the NBA. Yeah, you had a nice summer league performance, but then that's with, with that's with fellow young guys. What are you <laughs> going to do against the Joel Embiid when he's posting up on you? I don't know if Evan Mobley can guard somebody like Joel Embiid, for example. Um, or even, let's say, DeAndre Ayton posted up against him. Will he be able to guard Ayton? No, I'm, you know, there's still a lot of question marks. So I, I, I'd lean on the guy I know, and that's Horford. 
Yeah. And also, you can actually get her for like three rounds after Aiton or more uh, in, in, in some leagues, depending on how would Yahoo updates the ranking. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a value there. Uh, another thing that I, I love with this, uh, um, at least with um, Al Horford, is you also have a PF eligibility. So it's something that, you know, uh, depending on the league format, it really helps out those uh, um, additional means for you to use him uh, aside from just a center with center eligibility only. Okay. Now, this is going to be the battle of the, you know, the Tower of Powers, the, 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 the anchors of punt builds per, per, per se. So, um, I would like to really understand how do you differentiate Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella if you think, aside from their health. Because I think that's one of the main reasons that, you know, people are trying, one of the main reasons that cuts the fine line between a Capella and a Gobert. But aside from that, I would really love to hear your thoughts about these two guys. Because you can get Capella two rounds after Gobert unless otherwise someone is reaching for Capella doing that Gobert-Capella back-to-back picks. So you can actually, you know, it doesn't have to be a competition. If you like Gobert, you can get Gobert and Capella in your build. Let's say you, your, your, your draft is Yanis somewhere in the top, you know, top six. Then you go Gobert. Then in round three, Capella, and that's your your core first three picks, and you win rebounds and blocks and field goal already. Right. Then after those first three picks, you work on the other categories you want to chase, but those three categories are yours already from there. So, um, but yeah, you mentioned about durability. Capella has you know a long-standing um, history of injuries. He was plagued by some Achilles soreness last last season and the season prior. Um, he's missed some time here and there, but he's a great shot blocker. It's the same as you know Rudy Gobert, the the Stifle Tower, etc. Um, and another reason, uh, and it's it's something that um, some people might overlook, uh, especially in head to head, the Jazz have a superior fantasy playoff schedule compared to the Hawks. So, if 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 it had to be a choice between, if I could only choose one between Gobert and Capella, I, I'd still go with Gobert. Um, Again, he's proven um, to be solid. He was actually great in, in, in the Olympics for, for, for France. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was, uh, he's, he's getting up there in terms of the age, but he slimmed down and it allowed him a better mobility. It, it allowed him to preserve his knees. Um, but eventually a slowdown will occur. Uh, but, you know, it, it's hard to go with a guy who's, who's going to give you double-double with more than two blocks per game and maybe one steal per game also. So, yeah, definitely, I, I, I'm more of a Gobert guy. Um, and, but, but I like both. I mean, they're, 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 they're similarly built. So if I want one, I'll probably go for the other. And if I have to reach for Capella immediately after picking Gobert, I probably would because it's – especially in head-to-head when you can punt certain categories, I, I go for that. Um, an alternative is Capella is somebody you could pair let's say after you went for Zion in round 2 for some people who are punting they go for Zion in round 2 let's say you go Yanis or Luca, Zion, Capella then you have one of each you have a guard, a forward, a center and you're punting free throw for example but you have a nice spread of you know upside in your young guys and you have a solid you have, yeah, okay here's the thing about blocks in the end, at the end of the day, 
in weekly head-to-head, you know, um, format, it's just one point. Yeah. There's such a thing as overkill. I mean, getting both of them, yeah, you'll win. But because blocks are such um, a tightly contested category in the sense that you don't need too much. You can only, There are only so much blocks that go around every week in the NBA. So having an elite shot blocker to anchor your team, I mean, you don't need both. You could have Gobert and, let's say, two other players who give you 1.5 blocks per game You know, later in the draft. You don't need two guys that give you two blocks per game. I mean, it makes it easier, yeah, and you probably won't need for center stats later on, but um, you have to ask yourself, at the time that you're getting Capella, are you missing out on a quality guy that, you know, are you choosing Clint Capella of, let's say, over Tobias Harris? It, well, I, I'd, I'd rather have Tobias Harris than Clint Capella um, because of his more well-rounded numbers and overall better fantasy value, for example. But again, it's about the build. In, in, in head-to-head, um, if you're filtering on a punt free throw strategy, Capella is actually ranked higher than Tobias Harris. Then yeah, go ahead. Pick, pick Capella over Harris. So that, that that's an example of um, two guys who are similarly similarly built and um it, it, it's not really an either or as far as i'm concerned yeah and uh for me um like what eric said maybe in the third round if you have you're punting uh percentages in free throws you have yanis and you have gobert already maybe you take someone like dayron fox because you 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 all you're, you all you know that you'll have like a portal later in the round so maybe that's a good approach just to really preserve that value and ensure you won't miss up uh, in other stats. And uh, I really love how uh, Eric really mentioned those overkills because sometimes I understand it's 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 you know it's fun to see your your team obliterate your opponent per week, but you know sometimes it isn't necessary. It doesn't you know really help you out. Maybe you're missing uh, value and uh, you know help in other stats when you do stuff like uh, overkill approach when you're you know you're racking up uh players with the same uh stats uh, on in terms of how they give uh stats on a weekly or daily basis but before we move forward something that i would like to ask um in terms of proto who would you rather have here let's set aside health maybe because you know is it is, is the, the is the difference between capella and gobert is you know pretty much slim even in roto um no i'd still go for gobert in roto because of free throw volume he's still a lower volume shooter and i can offset his his poor free throw shooting more easily um generally i i would skip both of them in roto if i don't like punting um in roto so poor free throw shooters i mean if there's anything i I would find a way to sneak in Miles Turner instead. I will get um, big men who, let's say, don't block as well, but then sneak in a Miles Turner somewhere because uh, Miles Turner's drawback as a center is that uh, he does not rebound well. But he led the league in blocks last year, right? He he was almost as good as Gobert plus Capella in blocks, right? (laughs) So um, that's kind of the strategy, but to, to, to answer your question, I'd, I'd still prefer Gobert. Um, again, even even though you you say well, you know, uh, 
health aside, you, you really can't put it aside. Because yeah, you 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 can offset missed games better in Roto compared to head to head. But um those blocks are not gonna come back in the sense that the, the games that let's say Capella will miss this season, you will not be able to find them on the wire because yeah. it's such a, a difficult stat to find. And that's part of why there's such a scarcity, so to speak, in terms of that kind of um, category. Yeah, and, and speaking of like uh, better options in uh, Roro, I think this next uh, matchup is, uh, for me, is uh, something that I would really check, especially on how your uh, league values them. Like an example that was you know shared uh, to us later, earlier by Eric, because uh, Nurkic could really have a value. He's all he's, we we all know how skilled he is, but the problem there is how many games would he play. On the other hand, uh, do you think people are already embracing how good Rashawn Holmes is? Because um, he's still being passed on, at least in Max, in in my observation. Uh, okay, here's an example, and, and just to pr- to promote. Um, Hoopball and uh, our, our our team in the side. We've been high on Rashawn Holmes for three seasons ago. That's how 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 much how advanced we were in scouting him, and he will crush um, Nurkic. That, yeah. I mean, Nurkic had a great bubble, small sample size of games where he was a crazy top twelve, top fifteen player, but. After that, he got you know injured, and he had um, some uh, you know health issues last season, some emotional, personal issues last season that he had to deal with. Also, um, Rashawn Holmes is simply sneaky good, and the reason why people pass on him, he doesn't score as much, and he is—he's not flashy. He's. You, you you will almost never see a highlight of him being shared on Twitter. It, it's, it's really rare because he's a, he's a role player. He's, um, he's just a workhorse. He's a blue-collar guy. But um, what makes him special in, in terms of, um, of why we've liked him in Hoopal, he actually shoots the free throws pretty well. He, he's not a great shot blocker, but he's a decent shot blocker. Um, and, and the fact that he is shooting only fine. He only scores, let's say, fourteen points. He shoots in the he scores in the teens, but he's shooting at a sixty-plus percent, you know, clip, and that's almost enough weight to influence your your team's field goal. Um, so, but the bottom line is, Nurkic has a more well-rounded game. Nurkic passes the ball better, is better. You know, has more threes in his arsenal, for example. So, on in terms of you know peak performance, they're playing at their best, no injuries, etc. Nurkic would probably come up with a more well-rounded line. But as history has shown us, he's he's pretty much uh, borderline, if not already considered an injury-prone big man. I, I consider him pretty much injury-prone, and I'm. I'm wary, and I've downgraded him in my personal rankings a bit because of that. Um, Holmes, on the other hand, yeah, I, it's just that, okay, you know, um, 
when when you're looking for centers, sometimes in in, in the new positionless style of, of 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 the NBA, you're looking for centers who can shoot three sometimes, right? So that's why you have the unicorns in in Porzingis and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Those big men who shoot threes, and and that's not part of Holmes' arsenal. And he's also not a great passer, unlike Bama Adebayo, for example. He's he's um, it's uh, it's tighter as far as the stuff, the categories he contributes in, but he does them pretty well. And and because he's not flashy, people tend to to, to overlook him. But yeah, I. I I, I cannot discount durability, so I, I'd go with Holmes over over Nurkic. But I've seen them go um, in similar rounds, uh, or sometimes Nurkic still goes ahead of Holmes because of uh, they expected the the sentiment that I've I've felt from uh, the drafts I participated in. There's an expectation of a bounce back because people don't expect Nurkic to be as bad as he was last season. They expect some kind of bounce back. Now, whether he will bounce back to a top 40 guy, a top 50 guy, or a top 70 guy, that's we don't know which Nurkic will show up this season. And that's a question mark. And, and that's a question that will have to be answered probably in training camp and in the preseason. Mm-hmm. We'll see from there. Yeah, I agree. And then maybe uh, a little thought of uh, in my angle as well would be checking their backup centers. I mean, it's just a matter of really looking at Marvin Bagley versus Larry Nance Jr. or Cody Zeller. I think Cody Zeller and Larry Nance Jr. are more capable to the point that if ever um, they would want Nurkic or they would preserve uh, Nurkic, they are more capable to do so. Uh, while on the other hand, um, Holmes is the best center there. <laughs> The, 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 dif- the difference between the skills and his backup is super, super far. Unless otherwise, you really love uh, the likes of Marvin Bagley and Tristan Thompson, which, uh, you know, no, I, I do don't know. not like <laughs> the likes of the dislike. So, so for, for the next uh, matchup, this is going to be interesting. The, the, this is going to be a block party. The, the highly, you know, regarded Miles Turner, which you've already mentioned as uh, the, the league leader in terms of blocks versus uh, an upcoming big that people are really cramming about, which is Time Lord. Because, you know, who wouldn't love uh, Robert Williams? He block shots and he has one of the coolest nickname, Time Lord, which you can actually use in your fantasy league. So, you know, uh, that's, I guess, psychologically speaking, it, it really entices people. But um, at the end of the season, who would you rather have, uh, Robert Williams or Miles Turner? Hmm. Okay. The, the thing about Miles Turner, the biggest um, reason why he he was um, so amazing is because he had an unearthly amount of blocks. He he took that blocking game to another level last season, so much so that he blew away the competition. Plus the fact that he actually is a decent free throw shooter. Now, if those blocks somehow go down a bit for whatever reason, um, you know, he's, his value will also drop. Um, on the other hand, you have Robert Williams, who's like, as you call him, up and coming. And I, and I see that. And people see that because he is one of the best per minute monsters uh, in the NBA, that he is so productive given limited minutes. And people are going, you know, free, free time, Lord. 
free, RW3, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> all those ha- hashtags because the, the sentiment is all the guy needs is minutes and he's going to be yeah. a beast. But <clears throat> the thing is, he is deficient on the offensive end. Um, unlike Miles Turner, who can actually still spread the floor with his own three-point shooting, I think Miles Turner gives you at least 1.5 threes per game, something like that. It's not something in Williams's arsenal right now um, at, at this stage in his career. So he's, you know, his scoring is limited to putbacks or or easy lobs, etc. So he's limited in that aspect. Plus, um, <clears throat> being the younger player and and still in development, Williams is um, working still in learning the game. I mean, he can get into foul trouble, and that'll spell, you know. A doom for his minutes played in that game. The moment you get into foul trouble, um, it's it's so easy to to sub in Al Horford and problem solved. You know you still have a capable center, and the the, the coach um, will, will will not be in a hurry to bring back Williams. So yes, I, I see the upside, but people are 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 so excited about Williams that um, I'm 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 afraid that he's going to get overdrafted. He's going to be drafted too early. People are get the excitement will outweigh the eventual output there. So people are a bit too excited. Kind of like, you know, how, how how the market is about Luka Doncic or let's say Zion Williamson. The, the hype is too, is too much. The hype is too much. The excitement is too much. It's not really hype. It's more of excitement because um, I really think he can deliver if he, if he will uh, produce, you know, on, on a consistent basis. But... Um, We'll see how many minutes he gets, and, and if he can get those minutes on a regular basis. So that that's that remains to be seen. So I'd, I'd rather stick with Miles. I mean, um, I can get rebounds later. Something that you know from Miles does not rebound the ball. Um, almost, you know, he, he rebounds like a small forward or even a shooting guard. Hardly rebounds the ball, but he's a great shot blocker. And um, I I I I think that he will be. Maybe uh, still in the top two, at the very least. You know, Turner is going to be still in the top two, but but I, I have one of my principles in, in in draft in draft philosophies that the fewer players that you need to lock down a certain category, the better. So, if I were drafting Miles Turner, I will need less support in my build to win blocks than if I were to build around, let's say, Robert Williams. Um, but but again, I, I what I like about Williams is he steals more than, than than Turner, and that's the fact that he can do both steals and blocks makes him very tempting. And high field goal, good rebounds, yes, yes. I, I mean, I can see the high, I can see the excitement. Um, but yeah, I it, it and they're probably going in similar rounds if if you look at it. They're they're not too far apart as far as. Somewhere in the third round, when people are panicking and they're grabbing centers, these are the two first centers that people will be reaching for when they want for to sure, chase blocks. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. So and 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 they're they're it's almost impossible to own both of them to have both of them on your team. So um, that being the case, this is a good head-to-head um, matchup that you that you put in front of me. And yeah, I I probably still go with Miles. Yeah, for me, I guess um, like what you you mentioned earlier that. That perspective of being a permanent monster of Robert Williams, having lesser competition this season in terms of the rotation, uh, those out of position dimes that you can get uh, in a center position 
really like you know entices me or pushes me to uh, lean on Robert Williams over Miles just because of the upside. If I could get him in the round four, I guess I would pretty much take that. Good luck. Like, <laughs> like uh, seven days on a week. But like what you've said, good luck to me because you know um, people are super excited of getting uh, Robert Williams, but. Um, on, the, on the other hand, um, I was really thinking on how Woodrick Carlyle uh, impact Miles Turner because um, he he provides the similar value that Kristaps provides in terms of that position. And uh, looking at how Rick Carlyle impacted uh, the the how Kristaps Porzingis provide value in terms of how he uses Kristaps in the past season, uh, it's something that I'm like you know trying to figure out because. I'm pretty sure Indiana will play slower compared to last season. Maybe if it's slower, how would the the, the front court battle between uh, Sabonis and Turner uh, work out? Would they would Kylel really you know put Turner outside of that area and then let him shoot uh, more snipes? So that's gonna be interesting to follow during this preseason, and I'm looking forward to it because uh, for me it's it's somehow gonna define how we value uh, players before the actual season. Because aside from the opportunities, the players, you have to really look at the coaches and the systems that they have. Uh, there are several uh, instances where in those are really impacting how you know uh, players provide stats. So uh, Indiana, Boston, they, they have uh, both different uh, coaches this coming season. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch uh, what would happen for these two uh, studs in terms of blocks uh next up this is gonna be easy because you know technically value wise in standard leagues uh, i'm not sure people will draft them but uh let's talk about like deeper leagues or maybe dynasty nick claxton has been a murmur for quite some time because again for his uh, uh you know uh ability to rock up stats being that uh he's actually kind of like maybe mature mature is not the the, the perfect word but more of like he really understands his role to the point that when he's playing uh, with KD, with Harden, especially with Harden, they, they really look good out there. But we started off, if you drafted like July or the moment that Yahoo was up, you would have like drafted Dick Claxton. But they got Mills out. And, and LMA is now also back in the lineup. And then on the other hand, uh, th- with a very solid performance last season. Moses Brown isn't far off uh, in terms of that upside. Me on the compared to Nick Nick Claxton, it's more of like stats because when you watch the actual NBA game, Moses sometimes you know is kind of lost. He's just too big, and you know he doesn't have like much uh, competition back in the OKC, so he racks up a lot of stats. So if you check the stats, you might assume they're kind of like similar in some sense. No, comp- uh, no uh, opportunities, but can provide stats. But in reality, if you watch their game, Nick Claxton is way, way better uh, over Moses Brown. So um, with Moses Brown being involved in that possible uh, uh, Goran Dragic trade to you know uh, go to the Toronto Raptors, um, is there any scenario wherein you see that either of these two provides? fantasy value this season deep leagues only i mean like 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 you covered claxton was somebody that i would might have considered 
as a late round flyer pick, you know, in in standard leagues, as a, a last minute, um, quote unquote, pahabol for blocks, right? Yeah. Um, but it it it's the outlook has turned very sour, as far as I'm concerned, because you know Milsa, um, Aldridge, and as we saw, they even weren't shy in playing Blake Griffin at center yeah. um, last season. So suddenly, from a guy that you would have seen brought in and play quality minutes off the bench, he falls down so far down the pecking order because of all of these veterans that were, you know, um, even though it's like uh, an episode of The Walking Dead, they're already <laughs> old and... Um, and Agnas na, na naglalaro pa rin. So, um, but that that's the support that uh, the Nets needed around their big three. They even though these are old big men, they're veterans. They know what they're doing. They can do their role. And in that sense, Claxton does not fit because he's the young, up and coming future. So maybe um, just just keep him for like dynasty in the future. I think he has. A bright future ahead of him. This year, not so much. He's not gonna get much um, opportunities. And even and 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 Steve Nash already said, younger players get ready because you won't get that much minutes. The focus will be on the veterans. The focus will be on him mastering that rotation that they will hopefully carry over into the playoffs and crush it because they're hoping to crush it. Because um, in the end, they had a disappointing outlook. Yeah. output in the playoffs. People expected them to go much farther than they did. And of course, yeah, we, we can talk about the hamstring injury to James Harden, etc. etc. I mean their their big three never got to play well. I, I played together uh in, in enough games to really see what they can do. But the the, the big men that they added as role players really uh Horse water on the on on the <laughs> candle I am holding for Nick Claxton. I'm sorry. Um, going to Moses Brown, uh, assuming he still stays with the the Mavericks. Uh, okay, the problem with Moses Brown, he busted out onto the scene with the Thunder and surprised a lot of teams with his athleticism and his power, etc. But you will have to realize that after a while, the coaching staff of the other teams caught on to it and were able to defend yeah. him better. Then his stats dropped. Okay? He had a string of monster games. Then it dropped really nasty to the point that he Brown was a drop in a lot of leagues. So um, he, the secret to Moses Brown was in his surprise factor last season. And he does not have that anymore. Because the league knows, you know, Moses Brown will do this, Moses Brown will do that. So I'm not, I'm not high on him. Um, I'm not, you know, not even in dynasty. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not on board what with what he was able to show. Uh, I'll need to see more. I'll need to see him really step it up, and he will need to really improve on other aspects of his game. He'll need to commit to studying the game. And studying better centers, um, and improve on his on his game before I I can trust Moses Brown. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, like what you've said, uh, the moment OKC got uh, Tony Bradley, <laughs> after a couple of games, Tony Bradley was, you know, getting more run over Moses Brown, right? Overshadowed him, right? So... Yeah. <laughs> And uh, on the other hand, I'm really excited for um, Nick Laxton and uh, their young Yuki, rookie, Cam Thomas, uh, maybe three to five years from now. Because I, I really think uh, these two guys will be uh, the future of Brooklyn Nets. Because uh, majority of their vets are, you know, good for a year or so, like tops. So, yeah, um, in Dynasty, I would still be interested with Nick Claxton as well. Yeah. And then let's go to the because I, I haven't really played uh fantasy basketball like with a lot of years i i this year is gonna be my 10th year of really playing fantasy basketball so i haven't really compared to other uh gms and uh other um, fantasy players who really played since their high school or college i was actually be, uh, able to play fantasy during my work days my, my first stint in the IT industry. Shout out to my best friend, uh, Chris Penis, who really, you know, uh, thought that I would love this game and uh, rest, uh, the rest is was history because I really love the game. But during those days, I always remember these two centers being drafted that, hey, you should draft. If, if you punt free throws, draft DeAndre Jordan and uh, Andre Drummond. I, I remember those days. But those days are gone right now. <laughs> these two guys really dropped from uh, being that uh, top 50 players to, I don't know, top 200 players right now. Uh, my question now is, who, who would you rather have in terms of that flyer center to maybe help you out in your leagues this season? Because both are going to be backups. But maybe Drummond is enticing to the point that what if Embiid goes down, so maybe Drummond has better shot. But DeAndre Jordan, uh, despite having like other centers like Dwight in the in the in the lineup, if AD goes down as well, maybe he gets more minutes. Basketball wise, I, I'm thinking at the Andre being like a better player in some sense. Skill wise, in terms of fantasy, maybe Drummond can provide more stats over DeAndre. But what's your thought about this, uh, Eric? Um, yeah, it, it's easy for me. It's called pass and pass. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but but just to talk a little bit about them, um, it, it, it's weird because Andre Drummond is not that old. He's not even 30. Yeah. So he's he's still in his 20s. And he's an example, guys, uh, listeners, of how um, how much it matters what team a player is on. When Andre Drummond was the the main man in, in with the Pistons, he was a crazy double double machine with elite blocks and steals. Steals. Yeah. So he was a beast in 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 punt free throw builds. But now, after a sucky stint with the Cavs and an even suckier stint with the Lakers, he finds him <laughs> in a sucky situation in the with the Sixers. Uh, we didn't be that's 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 super funny. Exactly. So, um, I, I think his best case scenario is like what you said if Embiid goes down, but you're gonna have to wait for Embiid to go down. And on, on days that Embiid is playing his 30 plus minutes, or you know, I mean, I, I guess the thinking here is 
people are hoping that they're gonna dial back on Embiid's minutes. But this guy, like you said, is after MVP. Yeah. He wants to to dominate the league and you know win a championship. And he's gonna play as long as his knees don't bug him. And and on those days that his knees aren't bugging him, Andre Drummond is not gonna give you value at all. He's gonna play fewer than you know 15, 12 minutes. It's not enough. For, for, for there's not enough juice for him to to do his thing. So it's better to just keep him on your watch list and grab him instantly if Embiid goes down, but to carry the burden of a non-performing or sorry, on a poorly performing center just because he's um a handcuff for Joel Embiid is not worth it, especially if you're playing in a league that has daily roster changes, his slot is a, almost a dead slot in, yeah. in shallower leagues. So pass and pass. So he's he's somebody worth picking up, of course, when 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 Embiid goes down. And history has shown that Embiid can disappear for a while if his knees act up. And that's the only time uh, it's that, that Drummond would be worth it. But on a regular redraft, no, I, I wouldn't touch either of them. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is so bad that, you know, the the Nets played Blake Griffin over him. Exactly. And Blake Griffin is, you know, not a shot blocker. You know, he's uh, – he's, the joke before is that he's a matador. He just lets the bulls through. <laughs> he lets the, the, the guy charging him through and, and pinapadaan lang niya. And, and despite that, the, the Nets just didn't play – Oh, it could have been an issue, let's say, of fit, or it, it did not gel well with the, how the big three performed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you're just putting him alongside another big three in the Lakers. He's not going to fit there either. And he's not going to have enough minutes to matter in fantasy. So pass and pass. Sorry, guys. Unless you're in a very, very deep league, let's say the 30 deep experts league that I'm playing in, I'd consider them as... As backup, and I wouldn't even put them in any of my starting slots. For sure, for sure. Maybe Drummond as well, because if you're in a super deep league, you you that's the time you think of like possibilities that that player could provide value, right? So at least um, Drummond has that you know possibility that like what uh, we've been talking about. If Embiid goes down, he could provide value. So uh, this next slide is going to be a position battle per team. Uh, I. I'm pretty sure this is gonna be like there's a some of them are pretty clear, but uh, it's it would still be interesting to check out your thoughts about them. So for example, the New York Knicks. Uh, well, any any team that Tibbs you know uh, coaches is an enigma for me in terms of how he plays uh, certain situations wherein a player is younger and a player is like kind of like tenured. So for example, this one. Last season, he was playing a lot of Nerland's Noel. So people are really hyped with Nerland's Noel <laughs> come the actual season. Well, Nerland's got an injury, yes. But he didn't actually play a lot of Nerland's initially. So that, like, you know, that really sucked for people who drafted Nerland's. Uh, and then on the other hand, Mitch Robinson gained some momentum. So uh, people were down on Mitch because, well, it's Tibbs. But there was an instance back in the mid-season last year wherein Mitch was actually performing and staying more over 
uh, more in the in the court, not uh, having those games with high uh, personal fouls, right? But unfortunately, he actually was injured, and then Tibbs went down to Nerlens, and well, Taj Gibson <laughs> played more in their front court. So, with that said, this coming season, wherein they actually proved their point that hey, Knicks is really got better props to Tibbs props to the New York Knicks they're someone who will be definitely be part of the top eight in the east uh, at least uh, looking at how all of the Easter teams you know uh, improve their their rosters but would you rather like draft Nerlens Noel as your one of your last flyer picks because he might still have those minutes or are you still kind of like buying uh, Mitch Robinson's uh, value because Mitch Robinson's was Robert Williams years ago, people are seeing, I mean, me personally, I see it that way. People are cramming for Mitch Robinson's years back, right? So uh, maybe it's the best time to draft Mitch Robinson because people are now, you know, letting him uh, drop rounds, uh, rounds like uh, after the, the mid rounds. Okay. Um, me, I'm, I, I'm a guy who, when he gets burned by by an injured player or a player who gets injured and, and, and I lose my my season because of him, I, I, I tend to be really sour about it. So, but um, from the research that I've been doing and, and, and from um, the updates on, on Robinson is that he bulked up. He really hit the weight room hard this, this off season. He gained so much muscle. He's a lot bigger than he was last season. So he's um, going to have a lot more power. And hopefully with all that extra muscle around him that he's going to be able to um, handle the, the getting banged up in the paint more than he used to. So I think there's a shot at the bounce back season from Mitch Robinson. Um, and I think some people, there are there, there's a minority who, who see that. Well, others would prefer to stay away, like me, for example. I'd prefer to stay away. Um, he's not on my do not draft list, but if he falls far enough, yes, I'll pick him up. Um, at the end of the day, I think mostly both centers will end up still in a projected timeshare. There will be, whether or not Mitch Robinson gets into foul trouble or not, um, there will be a pacing of his minutes so that he's not um, overly tired because Nerland Snowell is a very capable shot blocker I yeah. mean, he had like two blocks per game with one steal per game. He's a great defender. Um, but again, similarly, both big men are deficient when it comes to offense. But for offense, you don't care because you have Julius Randle to, 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 to handle the front court <laughs> offense. And these two guys are just supposed to block, rebound and block and run. That's it, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I might roll the dice on Mitch Robinson. Uh but Nerland, okay, just because Mitch Robinson is healthy coming into camp, coming into the preseason, and just because, yes, he, he bulked up, etc., that doesn't mean he's not going to get injured. I mean, he's on my list of players that I categorize as injury-prone. So um, I wouldn't mind drafting Nerland Snowell in, uh, late, even as a block specialist, you know, even just if his blocks fall down to, let's say, 1.5 or 1.6, I'll take it. And if he gives me 0.8 steals per game, I'll take it because he's he's just there for 
five rebounds, five, you know, six, six rebounds, maybe five points, you know, that and those two other defensive stats, it's okay because he doesn't generate turnovers. He doesn't, um, he actually shoots at the crazy 60 plus uh, percent field goal. So yeah, I, it's not bad, but I, I think um, Mitch Robinson, you know, bounce back, but you know, I, I'm hoping, I'm in leagues where people are wary enough about him that he will drop and I can get him at the right time. But I'm not going to burn um, an early pick for him. I'm not going to pick him within the top 50 there. Yeah, he has a, a top, a 30, top, you know, 40 upside, right? So yeah. if I get him in the 60s, 70s, better. But if he doesn't fall to me there, I won't cry over it. For sure, for sure. And uh, speaking speaking of upside, uh, this time uh, let's talk about uh, name value because um, Harrell has been, you know, one of the favorites for some reason of like at least more than the majority of the people, maybe because he won a six-man award. But he's going up against a very fantasy-friendly center, which is uh, Dan Gafford. Thing is, with the new coach uh, uh, for the Washington Wizards, um, would you think Harrell will play over Dan Gafford, given that majority of their centers aren't uh, like it, like doesn't provide defensive value aside from Dan Gafford? To be honest, th- for in the whole lineup of the Washington Wizards, I think only Dan Gafford plays a solid defense to the point that if I were the coach, I need him to be always present in the in, in the lineup. But well. That's going to be different because they have Thomas Bryant when he's healthy, who is more capable offensively. And then they also have Harrell, where I, I don't know how people in the NBA really project him. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I see people getting kind of excited that Gafford is expected to be the starting center. Um, they expect to see a nice little improvement on his end. Now that he does not need to compete with Robin Lopez and was that Alex Len, I think <laughs> last season <laughs> yeah. in, in, in that in that ugly, ugly three-headed situation um last season. But um at the end of the day, what is his upside really? He's he's gonna give you seven rebounds, two blocks. He's gonna be a crappier Nerlens Noel because he won't steal as much and he shoots. Uh, free throws more poorly than Noel does. Um, at but, um, Trez, on the other hand, despite being in a weird log jam situation in, in the Lakers, still you know was fringe value at, at, at certain points, especially when AD went down. Um, he was able to see quality minutes off the bench, and I think, yes, Gafford will start, Harrell will come off the bench. But Harrell is somebody who can produce on the pick and roll. I, I am excited to see what he can do in the PNR with either Dinwiddie or Beal or both. And that's going to be awesome. I think that he can become a 16 to 18 PPG kind of guy. Yeah, maybe just seven points. And he's not going to block maybe 0.8 to one blocks if you're lucky uh, per game. But he's going to score at a decent volume, but at a high efficiency from the field. And last season, he actually improved his free throw shooting. 
for the longest, for his entire career, he's a below 70% free throw shooter. Last season, he shot 70%. So his free throws were starting to fall. Now, if those free throws, let's say, improve to 75%, then what is Trez's drawback? Right? So I, I think that um, he could be a fantasy bounce back guy. Um, but unfortunately, the the trend right now is that people are seem to be more excited about Gafford because of blocks. They want to see him do those two blocks per game, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they're not high on Trez because he doesn't block. And again, it's this obsession with blocks. But uh, Trez, if lucky, can swing field goal for you, which Gafford will not do because he doesn't sh- shoot enough volume to do that. Okay. And Trez can, especially if the, the Wizards who I think um, they led the league in pace last season and they're going to run, you know? So we're, we're, well, fine. They led the league in pace because a lot of it had to do with Russell Westbrook pushing the pace, but I think they're still going to run. I think Dinwiddie is somebody who can also push the pace and, and make the Wizards run. And when you're a team, okay, and we've seen this in, in even your your local um quote-unquote, village basketball. If your talent is not as good, what do you do? You run, right? You you do the, yeah. the throw inbounds pass and fast break, right? You you rely on pace. <laughs> so I think that that's what the Wizards are going to do. They're going to run as fast as they can and hope Bradley Beal can cover um, their shortcomings. So there's a chance Harrell can, can bounce back, and I and I like that. I, I Between the two, I'd rather own Harrell. Nice, nice. I really love this because I, I haven't really heard some optimism uh, for Harrell. And then really listening on how you see it gives me that uh, perspective perspective that I wasn't really able to, you know, uh, validate and uh, check out in terms of the possibility. So uh, I really love that take. Um, speaking of like another uh, player that people love, especially the, the stats that he give. Uh, let's talk about the water boy, Chris Boucher, who was is who really kills people because people are really expecting a lot from Chris Boucher. I love Chris Boucher. I really believe he's a he's a solid player, but I don't love his coach. So that's <laughs> that's my thing about his case. And then for some reason, that specific coach as well might kind of like love Cam Birch because uh, looking at how the minutes were distributed and uh, Cam Birch as well is like a hometown player uh, for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, do you think there's a chance that Cam Birch overtakes uh, Chris Boucher? I would understand that in- initially uh, when the season uh, starts, both might definitely you know give you value because Pascal Siakam is, isn't healthy yet. But once they're healthy, uh, I, I'm really uh, am curious on how would uh, they play their uh, these two uh, bigs. Okay, um, yeah, you, you you hit it on the nail um, in the sense of the the highlight of the Pascal Siakam injury and Siakam is projected to miss at least the first two months of the season. Um, I I don't think it's an or. I first of all I see Boucher more as a power forward and not as a center. Even though in Yahoo he's center eligible, I think that what's going to happen is he's going to play more of a power forward. And 
as far as his stat set goes, he can shoot threes and he blocks very well and he shoots free throws, you know, at a at a reasonable clip. And the way I label him mentally is I I consider him as a poor man's Miles Turner because you can get threes, you can get blocks, low TOs, um, the rebounds aren't so great, but you know, he he has few drawbacks. But the difference between the, the, the gap between Turner and, and, and Boucher is uh, Turner has proven that he can do his thing more consistently. Boucher was, you know, great on explosive games. Then suddenly he disappears. And that's why, as you said, he gave fantasy managers a lot of headaches last season because of his inconsistency. But he'll have two months to, to show that he will be more consistent this year because he'll have a lot more playing time on his hands. Uh uh, Birch, on the other hand, he, he the upside is is limited. There's only so much that yeah. Birch can achieve, regardless of the minutes. <clears throat> Excuse me, given to him. Uh, so it's 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 not close, and it's not really, you know, um, a positional battle per se. I don't think they're competing with minutes so much anymore, because I think Boucher, the situation when Siakam comes back is. He might push um, Birch, um, Birch's minutes, and you'll have Siakam at the five, Boucher at the four in some situations, or, or you know, <clears throat> interchangeable for both for both guys. Got it. Because um, people love Birch because <laughs> Birch helped them <laughs> last season down the stretch, and people tend to remember those players, like for example, Malakai Flynn. Those those players that really uh, played well um, in the in the playoffs of fantasy, but they they kind of like uh, forget why that situation happened for those players. It's because a lot of players are resting, uh, some players are injured. So uh, if they are checking the values or the stats in in some sites or even in Yahoo, that might not be true in terms of the the actual thing that's gonna happen when. Everyone gets healthy. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree on that. Uh, another position battle here is uh, Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. Um, are you a fan of Wendell Carter Jr.? Because Wendell Carter is like one of the players that people love and then people hate. And then it, there were there were years wherein Wendell Carter and Laurie Market and Markinen are like darlings of some of the GMs because of the possibility that they, that they, they you know Wendell Carter can play like a Hall, Al Horford type of uh, game and then uh, they were comparing Markkanen with uh, Dirk Nowitzki of some sort but um, that hasn't really materialized back in the Chicago Bulls uh, I remember Wendell Carter tried to shoot a lot of, lot of snipes last year and then ended up stopping it after a couple of games because he was not hitting it. Uh, it not to make fun of Wendell Carter but it just shows that uh, this it, he isn't like you know a vet as of the moment. He's still finding his way in the NBA. But um, on the other hand, Mo Bamba has, has that upside ever since. Thing is, he's still raw as well. Uh, there's despite not being like a team that you know um, a sure team that will enter the the the, the, the playoffs, and they don't have anything to really play on. 
the coach last year didn't even play Bamba until like the, the last part of the season. Maybe there's a reason why. Maybe it's because of his raw plays. But um, what can you say about these guys? Because they have a new coach now. They're younger. They don't have anything to really play for. Um, would they allow Bamba be try to you know materialize its upside, or would they uh, like develop uh, Wendell Carter because of the skill set that that he has and a different? They, they kind of like the same because they could stretch the floor. The only difference that I see here is uh, Wendell Carter's ability to pass. And then uh, Momba, Mombamba is kind of like more superior in terms of defense as well. <clears throat> okay, so um, this is what's going to happen with the Magic. Uh, yes, initially we're going to expect to see tight competition between both big men. But what's going to happen, and as you said, um, there's going to be this is going to be an assessment season. This is going to be <clears throat> a do or die season for Bamba in terms of whether he will be considered as part of the future core of the Magic and they're going to see what they what they have um, in him. And he broke, he actually, he, he has, you know, a very slow start to his NBA career because of playing very so, so few minutes and being very limited due to multiple injuries. But when he finally broke through and broke out, you know, over a small sample size, he was able to show the upside of why he was like a top top five pick when he was drafted in the NBA. Um, he's, yet, like you said, the better defender. I think he's also the the better three-point shooter. But from my, from my assessment and from the research I've done, the issue with Bamba is not that he's raw. The issue with Bamba is his motor. That's mm-hmm. his ability... Sorry, as a player, he can only, um, he's only good for short spurts. He'll play well in those short spurts, pero he does not have staying power to play. Hindi siya pwedeng babad, kumbaga. Yeah. Right? And that's something he will still need to work on. And he's fallen behind. Now, Wendell Carter Jr., on the other hand, he has also had an, a very injury prone start. Remember that these guys are from the same draft class, right? Yeah. So they, they they were picked, uh, both of them in the top 10, I think, yeah. But Bamba was selected first. But you see from his upside that he has, odds are the higher ceiling between the two. But, right, the motor is is something that uh, is, is is not easy to develop. It, it's, it's more than just cardio. It's more than just, it's, it's your ability to just keep on going. Like, um, let's say, for example, somebody like um, Harrell is, is, is a guy with a good motor. Um, I, you've been playing long enough. And a guy that's sheer motor almost, but lacking in quality skill is Kenneth Fareed. If yeah. You still remember Kenneth Fareed? Yep. He's man, a guy with pure motor, right? He's just, uh, he'll run the court and, you know, he's, but, Skill-wise, he's still he's not there. He's raw. He's forever raw, but he's pure motor, <laughs> and that's something that Bamba. Um, he has a skill set that can be refined into something great, into something that you know, potentially become a unicorn. But you can't become a unicorn without the motor to to, to have that playing time. Um, again, similar to the the situation in 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 the Wizards, and in in 
the Knicks, these two centers might be in a timeshare situation um, because they will have to allot X number of minutes to Bamba to see what they have in him. Because you won't see what you have in him if you don't play him enough, right? Uh, because they might let him go after the season. They might move on, maybe trade him um, at the deadline because if they they want to um, not wait on his development and try to find a different big man because um, Wendell Carter is also inadequate as an you know as a as a franchise center. He's more as a second string center as far as I'm concerned. He's a quality second string center. But he's not a franchise. He's not a. He will never become a Joel Embiid or a yeah, for sure. Uh, you know what I mean? He's you know he's a low, a much lower tier tier guy. And now to finally answer your question, who do I prefer, uh, given the situation? Uh, I'd still go with Bamba. I'd go with the guy with the higher ceiling, and I'm just hoping that he develops the motor. I, I'm hoping that that he will develop a certain sense of urgency, knowing that it's a do-or-die season for him in Orlando and that he will play his heart off. He'll play his butt off and and, and really, you know, hit. And, and it's it took him a while to be at an NBA-ready level conditioning because that's how far behind his motor was compared to an average NBA player. But he was able to play really, you know, he, um, in one of the leagues that I play with um, Aaron Bruski, um, Mo Bamba was a pickup of mine, and he helped me beat Aaron Bruski in an eight-cat roto league, where I won a thousand dollars. So wow. that was that was nice, and it was <laughs> between me and Bruski to the very end that we were the top two teams. And my my key pickup of Bamba late in that, I mean, I guess that's there's a bit of bias, so so uh, some transparency here. That yeah, I, I have a little bit of a soft spot in my heart because. Bamba did help me, you know, cash in in that big win. Um, but yes, go if you have a chance of going for the the higher upside guy, and it's late in the draft anyway, go for the higher upside guy. I I, I noticed that Carter is being picked ahead of Bamba yeah. because they expect Bamba to play, you know, limited minutes, etc., etc., etc. And I can understand that because of, of his lack of motor, as as, as I said, but. Um, the, the Magic will want to see what they have in him and to see if he has potential to be. Um, because I, it, it's, I'm not going to forget that there was this summer league. The, I think it was uh, the first or second summer league. I think it was the first summer league of Bamba that he was able to play in. He played alongside Jonathan Isaac in summer league. And it was crazy scary. They were both bouncing up and down, and they were an unstoppable duo of athleticism. Uh, and it, and and you know that's that's still a potential monster combo that the that the Magic might be able to harness and see if Bamba and Isaac can play off each other, and that'll be a scary. I mean, if you look at the ceilings of both of those players, and they both play to that level, uh, the Magic have a bright future ahead of them because you know. You have Jalen Suggs, you have, you know, uh, Chuma Okiki. You know, they, they have a nice, you know, core building. But the question, you know, it's still a question mark for Bamba. And we're, we're going to have to see. So, but upside. Let's go, go for upside. Go for Bamba. I agree, I agree. And then I really love that, you know, tandem of uh, Isaac and Bamba. Uh, yeah, Isaac is a, a, pretty, uh, a pretty monster 
And I, 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 I really hope uh, Isaac gets healthy. That goes as well with um, Bamba to be like, you know, really have that motor. Because I remember Aiton uh, last season, that was like the initial problem of Aiton that uh, there were, there were guess, re- yeah. reports, right, in, in, the, in the first few weeks. Wherein he was really, really breathing like a donkey <laughs> based on the reporters. That's the reason why he really started slow. Uh, speaking of like uh, upside here, uh, this is going to be tricky in my perspective. I'm not sure with yours because um, OKC has this history of really playing vets very well whenever they got them. You had CP3, of course. You had, um, well, let's put in Dennis Ruder there. Let's put in the Italian cock, uh, Danilo Gallinari, Al Horford last season. And then we all know that Derek Favors really provides value given the minutes. Uh, ever since he was drafted by the Utah Jazz, he's always within the fifth, top 50 because he has the ability to block and has the ability to steal as well in, in high rate, to be honest. But um, Isaiah Roby, on the other hand, really showed us how versatile he is. He can shoot threes. He can actually pass. There, I, I remember there were games that he was you know, giving, at the, giving up a lot of dimes. So with that said... Uh, do you think this season will will OKC also like you know use Derek Favors initially and then maybe trade him and then that's the time Roby blossoms or do you all you, you already see them like uh, you know taking half of the minutes off the bat? Okay. Uh, yes, I, I I see them using Derek Favors early, and yeah, a lot of people might be surprised that. Uh, because he's been in the in the league for so long that they might be surprised that he's not in his thirties yet. He's, yeah, he's, I agree. <laughs> yes, but the the sad part and the sad truth about Derek Favors is his knees are, are that of a forty year old, um, and they've been bad. They've never. It it's it's how do I say this? Derek Favors' knees are chronically bad, so there's a reason why. The Jazz had him play limited minutes um, back 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 when he was with the Jazz. It's because his 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 knees cannot take it anymore. Unlike his game, unlike Al Horford's, when Al Horford was thriving with the Thunder last season, Horford's game is you know durability friendly, fantasy friendly. Favors, on the other hand, cannot bang with other big men anymore. His knees will not be able to take it. Um, now, on, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Isaiah Robbie is all knees. He's, he's very <laughs> dependent on his athleticism, his, you know, his leaping ability, etc., etc. Um, but skill-wise, he still has a far, a, a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. has a long way to go, but um, he is somebody who is worth developing. So at some point, yeah, Favors might have a, a nice start to the season. But if I was the Thunder, I would do what I did with Al Horford or with any vet, trade him for picks. Yeah, <laughs> Since for they're sure. collecting all the picks for, for, for the next 10 years, right? That, that's their plan. <laughs> they want to, to, to monopolize the draft. So um, highlight him. I mean, let's face it. He's not going to be part of their long-term plan. And they've been very consistent that they want to focus on young players because they're tanking. They don't want to play too well anyway, right? Yeah. So, uh, no, I don't trust Derek Favors' knees. So, even though at the start he'll probably outperform Roby, 
in terms of the long term, um, I don't like the number of games I foresee Favors missing. And he is a very strong, assuming he is not moved, he is a very strong shutdown candidate, like what they did with Al Horford. That yeah. they just said, okay, sorry, sorry, dude, we want to play Roby because he's he's a younger guy and we want to see our younger core run. And you can't run because your knees suck. <laughs> I mean, of course, they're going to say it much nicer than that, but, you know, sorry, Derek, yeah, yeah, uh, thanks, but uh, have, 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 have some Gatorade. Junk along the bench. So, <laughs> um, so definitely, I'd rather have Roby than, than Babers. Yeah, and that, but uh, do you think Roby is someone that um, OKC might you know invest on, like as their future center? Not long term. I think his his ceiling is still very limited because if they have so many draft picks, they don't care. They, if they, <laughs> they, 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 right? He is he is their current best option there, but those options will be fluid and will change year on year. Depending on who, who they get, right? So, if 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 uh, things will change, for example, next season if they somehow luck luck out and get Chet Holmgren or or or, or Paolo Blanchero, uh, next season the draft class is big man heavy. So, yeah. given the the picks of, of of the Thunder, they will almost surely get a solid big man, right? So. Uh, the quality of the big men there easily, easily um, beat out Roby's uh, skill set and what he, he brings to the table. So for now, yeah, he's, he's their best option um, as far as young guys. But all it takes is a better draft pick to to push him down the, the picking order. For sure. And, and then maybe that time they will trade Roby because <laughs> he already had a, a good resume or a good season before the actual draft, right? So, no, he's, uh, he's okay. I like him as a reserve. He's a solid reserve that he can come. He's an energy guy. He'll give you that athleticism uh, off the bench. Um, it's just that he won't be your long term starting center. Got it. Got it. Wow. That's if, if you're. If you really want to check uh, the the perspective on the centers, those three slides of us uh, discussing uh, several players is gonna be you know gonna help out our GMs here. <laughs> so I, I hope you really check out this episode. And then before we really wrap up this episode, let's see uh, Eric's perspective in terms of trends for these specific players. We won't end our session without talking about the best big as of the moment in the league, right? So let's talk about Nikola Jokic. Um, we all know what value he gives, but is there another gear for Jokic to really trend up? He's in the middle of his prime. Um, there's still room for a little bit of improvement. I mean, but he's just playing so phenomenal. It's, it's hard to picture him playing even better. Uh, but I think there's still, I mean, he's still... Um, there's still some room for him to, to to get better. I don't think, I mean, if you're talking about green arrow up versus red arrow down, I'll definitely have to say green arrow up. It'll still be more of the same. And if there is an improvement, it'll be incremental and and, and, and not so much, you know, it won't be huge like the way he exploded last season, but it's still on an upward trend. I don't see him. Um, I mean, the worst case scenario is he plateaus. That's just the worst. And it and he'll give you a rerun of last season, which is enough to crush your league. So, yeah. yes, uh, up upside still up positive. And he also bulked up 
this season there were pictures of him circulating in the internet where he, he is actually buffer now. So it's something that, you know, kind of like optimistic and maybe, you know, he he gets more physical because he's one of those uh, players that really plays physical as a center. Uh, next up, uh, I really like this rookie uh, to the point that I think um, there's a chance wherein the Rockets might end up, you know, not investing on Christian Wood. But um, do you also see that 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 uh, possibility? Because uh, Sengun is really is a really good player. Uh, maybe trending up or trending down is it like the best way to gauge him? But how do you see Sengun? Um, okay, uh, I, I like what I saw from summer league. I like what I saw from the scouting reports. And um, I used to cover international basketball. So the, the, the Turkish league that he, he plays in, <clears throat> aside from the, the, the Euro League, the Turkish league is one of the most competitive national leagues in Europe. And winning an MVP there is no joke because they have solid um, imports from the U.S. You know, also. So he's, he's competed with against um, you know, some former NBA players or low-tier players. Um, players from college who didn't who didn't cut it in, in in the NBA, but he won it before he was twenty. So um, there, there's a lot of upside there. But um, his his body is 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 not gonna. He he plays in the paint even though he's a bit undersized. And because um, he is able to rely on his skill set, he has a fantastic skill set. But his body needs to bulk up a bit more. Um, I I like him. I like him as a future. Um, I don't know, uh, somebody like a Domanta Sabonis type with better blocks because he can pass the ball really well. He's crazy. He has a crazy number of moves in the low post that, you know, he can pump fake and he, he's got he's got finesse because he's not, um, you know, a pure brute force kind of big man. And he also can't anyway because he doesn't have the body for it. So he, he relies on intelligence and finesse. So, um, and on your point about the question mark about Christian Wood being um, the 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 main thing of a main big man for the Rockets in the future, and that's something again. It it it's like uh, it's like the case of the Magic. The the Rockets will see. The Rockets will probably give uh, Shingun um, enough time to 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 see what they have in him. Um, of course, they'll obviously give Christian Wood a lot of time. Um, but we, uh, I don't want to put any answers now, and I'd rather um, check out the preseason, and I want to see um, how they're using him because you still have Daniel Tice. Um, yeah, where, exactly. you know, it's 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 the it's not an easy situation. So even though uh, Shingun is is not as tall um, as a lot of centers, he plays center, and that's you know, and they're gonna be. Uh, Maybe moving Tice to play power forward uh, alongside him at, at times. It's gonna be a, a a potentially messy rotation, and and people are putting weight on on Christian Wood's stat set, etc. Um, on his high volume, and um, my my only concern about Wood is that um, I'm almost you know he he could he could be somebody who's injury prone. He had an ankle sprain late in the season last last year that um he said it hurts i'd prefer not to play during the time that the games don't matter 
Um, so I go in, in my mind, he might actually be a soft player. I mean, uh, who do, when I say soft, I mean they don't handle injuries too well. You know, they're they're not Iron Men like let's say like James Harden, who will play through a swollen ankle and play 30 plus minutes, regardless, right? There are yeah. certain players who will play through play through pain. You know, not everyone is Allen Iverson who will give up his body and you know for the sake of the game. And Christian Wood is not that kind of guy. Uh yeah, Dynasty. Yeah, Shingun is just crazy good for the future. Right now, it's it's a question. He's probably more of a deep league guy. I wouldn't touch Shingun in 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 a standard league. Maybe sixteen. I I mean I've been in two sixteen team league drafts already. The re- real ones, not 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 mocks. And, and he's been picked up late, in, in in the last two to three rounds. So yeah, he's he's got some upside. And again, these drafts that I've done are way too early, and I would prefer <laughs> to have seen them after uh, done them after some preseason games. But it's a roll of the dice right now before the preseason, and we'll, we will see, we will see. And I'm I'm uh, cautiously optimistic. There is the, is the right term I would use for Shingun. Yeah, he's he's actually really good, and Rockets kind of like turned it around since the the post Harden era and I really love what they did in their lineup right now. The KPJ uh signing. Um they they did a very solid uh draft this season. Uh and then you know uh things are looking better for the Houston Rockets. On the other hand, uh Evika Zubac has been a solid solid center for quite some time. Thing is he doesn't have that you know fancy uh stats to the point that you you the ceiling is super low as well. But with Kawhi Leonard out, do we expect more, at least uh, having more points this season? I'm also not sure if Ibaka will play uh, in their lineup. I think Ibaka will play. I think Ibaka will be able to bounce back a bit from last season. Um, he opted into the last uh, year of his contract uh, because, you, like, as everyone knows, he's coming off back surgery. So, this is Ibaka's last chance to hope for a, a one last contract after this one. So he will play. He will try to, to, to play better. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Zubac is a guy that, that regardless of the minutes you give him, he's not going to be a 2010 guy. No. He's not even going to be a 1510 or a 12. You know, um, He is well, why he's had success in fantasy is because he shoots his free throws well. And he commits, it doesn't commit turnovers. But he also has a limitation because he's not a great shot blocker. You know, he's he's a slow lumbering center. Um, and he'll at best give you one block a game, right? And he'll give you decent field goal, but he won't score so much. And he's more of a rebounds guy. Um, and just the fact that he doesn't hurt you in your free throw is what keeps him within the standard, the fringes of standard league conversation. Um, I don't think. Yeah, if anything, it'll be a, a slight trend down, uh, but not the trend up for sure. I got it. Maybe you can partner him with Miles Turner because you know uh, the deficiency really suits uh, yeah, those uh, late, two late guys. Late in the draft, that's yep. as a rebounding specialist. Maybe yeah, yeah. That's that's the kind of thing that works, especially if my build is is something that's trying to preserve free throws. Yeah, definitely. Got it. How about this dude? Uh, he was really highly regarded last season. Uh, people are th- people are kind of like you know 
they, they were divided into two perspectives. One is he's a super solid draw talent. The other one is we don't have enough historical uh, games to really assess him. Where do you stand for James Wiseman? Uh, this is a bit sore for me. Last <laughs> season, I went all in on James Wiseman. I went hard on James Wiseman. In my dynasty league, I traded two top 10 picks to get the first pick. And instead of Lamelo Ball, instead of Anthony Edwards, I went with James Wiseman. So you can see how much headache and heartache the guy brought me. Um, in a lot of leagues also, I I, I I I picked him just outside the top 100. So I really reached for James Wiseman, um, hoping, hoping that he could be a potential unicorn. And yeah, to be fair, he did show some flashes of that, right? Because yeah. in the end, um, I, I put too much merit on those three. Because he only played, okay, for everyone who might not be aware, he only played three games in college in his very before he opted not to return um, to, to, to um, Memphis. He was playing for, for, for Memphis then um, during the during the pandemic. So um, it was a very limited sample size. I was going hard. I banked on him. I bet on him, and it 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 um, exploded in my face. And then, uh, but there. Uh, that aside, okay, uh, assessment-wise, the the ownership, the organization of the of the Warriors are really committed to him. His teammates are really excited to contribute to his development. That's a crazy amount of support for any young player to have. And he is somebody who may have been super demoralized after, um, you know, injuring his knee in, in, in your rookie season after being, you know, a, a top three pick. Um, it's, you know, he's, he might fall. You know, I, I don't think he's, he's not yet ready to start the season as of now. He, uh, the latest injury report is that he will be assessed after October 15 is, you know, when he will be, you know, reassessed on whether he can go into full contact or 5-1-5. So he might not start the season. So um, in standard leagues, I'd avoid him. In deep leagues, he's worth a flyer late in your drafts. Um, but he might see a bounce back because... Like I said, everybody's committed to him. All that 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 that, that support system is unheard of because, um, despite the win now scenario that the the Warriors are putting themselves in with the return of Clay Thompson, the owner um, has been adamant in not letting go of of Wiseman. They want to keep him as part of their future. They want a clean transition from their win now to a to a solid franchise still they don't want gaps and they see him as a as, as a as a core piece for the future they didn't I, I i think there was a time that there were rumors circulating that uh wiseman could be included in a package for like pascal siakam i don't know if you heard that uh, there, there were yeah, yeah. rumors before and, and the, the, those those were shot down uh immediately by the owner saying that we don't want to change we, we don't want to trade wiseman uh, we want to keep him and we believe in him so um he'll he'll really he's gonna fall because of 
um, the, the recency bias from last season, but he might be a pleasant surprise and outperform, let's say, a, a Daniel Gafford, for example, once he's healthy. To be honest, we actually shared the same experience for James Wiseman. In my Dynasty League, I pick third, as far as I remember. I actually did some trade uh, to, uh, I, I got Colin Sexton a pick and uh, two picks, which includes me to be able to pick uh, third for, for that draft. And I traded Donovan Mitchell because I was thinking, um, I, I have in, in my lineup, I really need some bigs because I have uh, injury prone bigs. I have Embiid there. So I, I'm really uh, eager to get that uh, value big. So I, I did a trade. And yeah, it also really exploded to my face. But uh, I, I agree with how you passionately see how uh, the Golden State Warriors invest on him. The fact that they they didn't do any um, trades or any moves to get another big in, the, in their lineup right now, despite uh, Kev, Kevon Looney being that injury-prone player that has always been, means that, you know, he is really... Uh, He's actually being mentored by Draymond Green as much as they can. To the fact that he, whenever you see the practices on how they teach James Wiseman, you'll be excited because he, he's actually kind of like a freak of nature as well. He has a good skill set. He has a, he's a good shooting form. He has a good touch uh, in terms of how he shoots the ball. And he also is a uh, very uh, good, um, what do you call this, uh, defender maybe not yet on the level that he could adjust that the the defensive uh, awareness on how you switch in terms of in defense because that's that was his big hole last uh, season they were (laughs) really you know he's slow to switch he's too slow (laughs) exactly but um you know um i'm still high on him uh, hoping that within the next at least three years he he it will it will already show because you know draymond green isn't it won't be that uh, kind of like motor guy at, at least the next three years for sure. He's gonna be he's gonna slow down. He's gonna tone down how he plays to really uh, conserve and preserve his value in the league as well. Uh, the, especially that Curry isn't getting younger as well. Clay Thompson isn't that. I can't see Clay Thompson as that. When when Curry goes old, Clay Thompson takes the lead. I, I can't see that happen in, in, for Clay Thompson. So I really think. Uh, James Wiseman is going to be a big deal for uh, the GSW in the future. Hopefully, in the near future. Uh, this is going to be quick for you. Cody Zeller, he has been contributing steadily several weeks, maybe on and off. Sometimes he's good. And then, you know, if you need blocks, he's a good streamer. Um, but he always gets injured. Always. I mean, um, the only reason you draft Cody Zeller, at least in my experience, is you can find any starter center down the line. And then you see Cody Zeller. Hey, he was actually playing in, in, in the Hornets. And then you pick him. But um, now he's, uh, he's, he was traded to Portland Blazers. What can you say about Cody Zeller? People are saying that he has an upside in terms of uh, Nurkic being injured. But the moment they got Larry Nance, I think that went kaput. So... Um. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I think you covered <laughs> it. Uh, I, I I would not draft Cody Zeller um, outside of my 30-team experts league. Um, I'm not interested. He was pretty much undrafted in my in both 16-team leagues. 
uh, just leave him on the wire and only rush to pick him up in in the in the event that Nurkic does get injured. But he's not worth drafting. Got it. How about Splash Mountain? He actually trended down uh, last season, uh, maybe because of how uh, they used um, Bobby Portis uh, whenever Yanis uh, is you know not available. Uh, the the there's still like blocks and snipes that you can get out of uh, Brolo. But do you think that trend goes like down this season, or will he kind of like have a mini? Um, you know, um, trend trend up scenario because they uh, they actually lost PJ Tucker, who really played a, a good value in reality for the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't see uh, Lopez changing that much. Uh, uh, he's another year older, but then his game is very longevity friendly. The fact that he developed the outside shot, um, yeah, he he's probably good for. 1.53s, 1.2 blocks, um, five point something to six something rebounds if you're lucky. Um, but that's it. Oh, well, fine. The fact that he doesn't hurt your free throw percentage, the fact that he doesn't give you turnovers is what carries his value. But um, I don't see much of a downside. I, I don't see much of an upside either. So he's he's fallen um, in draft ADP. Because of you know expected age, expected decline, but he'll still be solid. I mean, to the point that if he falls enough, he'll be a value guy. So yeah, in that sense, sure. that he will be able to outperform ADP because the sentiment is is so low on him. Yeah, right. He's like the we we call we usually call him the poor man's Miles Turner because of the stats that he <laughs> provide. Um, next up is Daniel Tyus. He if given an opportunity, he really provides solid stats, but uh, we've already talked about how kind of like uh, messed up the rotation will be for the Houston Rockets. So um, if you need some centers down the road, would you trust Daniel Tyus to help you out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he will uh, perform better than the stats he produced with the Celtics. And he was really brought in in a more of a mentorship role, you know, for the the young big men of the Rockets, and uh, he okay, he'll have to teach them by example of how to defend properly, and he will be on the court to show them that, and um, I think he'll provide enough value to still be a fringe standard league guy. So he's somebody you could pick at the end, like like you said in the scenario when you missed out on big men. Or you want your third or fourth center, for example, for your team, he'll give you a bit of everything. And he's he's not somebody who'll hurt you anywhere. Fine, he doesn't rebound or block too much, but he can shoot the occasional three, you know. Um he's he's a low upside, but then you know, reasonably steady floor. Okay. Um, it'll be um unlikely that he will fall outside of the top 200, you know, given, you know, the situation in Houston. There. Yeah, and so. he's actually uh, a very uh, solid uh, kind of like um, stat provider. And then maybe there's an upside if Christian Wood goes down. So that's how yeah, I yes, see yes. And, and as I said, I, I'm, I'm almost willing to 
to question my trust in whether Christian would I'm uh, question my trust in Wood's durability. I have a question mark already there. So Tice is a good handcuff. So if you if you draft Christian Wood in the middle rounds, it would be wise to take Tice as your late round center as a backup to handcuff. Exactly, exactly. This next center is going to be big because he's been the darling of the, the drafts right now. Uh, now, um, majority of the people are really super excited for him. I am too. But something that really bugs me is uh, Kelly Olinik on how their coach handled his minutes when Mason Plumley was there. And now they got another well-rounded veteran that can play ahead of uh, this young uh, stud uh, in the name of, uh, um, what do you call this? <laughs> I was Stewart. Really... Stewart. Isaiah Stewart. There you go. Okay. Uh, thing is, in return, I was also contemplating wherein Detroit Pistons actually spend a lot for to get Isaiah Stewart. They kind of like rich him during the draft. I was surprised they, they got Stewart. I thought that they could get uh, Stewart the next round. Despite you know, uh, instead of like reaching uh, or using their uh, in the, uh, uh, early pick to get him, so I'm now torn if Detroit is big on him, and then if Detroit would allow uh, him to be you know and let the coach play more Kelly Olynyk over Stewart. What's your call? Okay, uh, I'd like to correct something there first. <clears throat> first of all, Mason Plumley. It's not the same situation as Plumley. Plumley most exclusively played center. Olenek can and has played power forward. So in a situation where they're, let's say, resting Jeremy Grant, they can bring in Kelly Olenek, let's say, off the bench and play him alongside Stewart and not necessarily replace Stewart for those center minutes. So I'm not as afraid of, of Olenek as I was, let's say, if assuming Plumlee stayed around um, in terms of Stewart. But like as you said, uh, Stewart is already the darling of fantasy managers. He's being targeted aggressively. In my last drafts, he was going in the seventies range. It's um, that's pretty aggressive. And um, while I I'm a believer in his potential, uh, that's more or less kind of. There's very little profit to take at that range. I would prefer to have taken him much later. So, at the time that they're taking people, uh, Stewart in the 70s, I have other reasonable options. So, if I miss out on him, I'm not going to cry about it. It's just that the market is just too excited. So, I'm odds are not going to get to own him because it's very hard to target him aggressively on sheer. Uh, it's, it's, He's in a similar but smaller boat uh, to Robert Williams yeah. in the sense that his per-minute production is very promising. He has a stat set that's very tantalizing. And the expectation is if he gets high minute, a high number of minutes, he's going to perform really well. Um, yes, we're, I, I do expect that uptick in minutes. I do expect him to play really well. But if you're drafting him so close to the top 50, I mean... His ceiling probably somewhere in the top 50, right? And the closer you get to the top 50 when you pick him, there's not as much meat on the bone to to appreciate anymore. So uh, I'd rather get guys later 
who have a bigger jump. You know what I mean? To get yeah. more value. But you know, I mean, I like him. I mean, I'm on board. I, I see the positive outlook. But everybody, he's not a secret anymore, and he, everybody's excited about him. So it's it's really hard. So yes, he will get better. But so is the demand. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the moment that people. Uh, missed out on those center runs uh, in the mid in the middle rounds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the time people are really reaching for Stewart. To be honest, uh, in in mock drafts, uh, I see him getting drafted in the mid sixties already. Wow! He's, so it's really pushing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure, but I remember seeing that his ADP is around sixty-seven already. Or oh no! So, okay. But, uh, <laughs> All right, so when we when he broke out last season, he was able to flirt with top fifty, right? Um, on 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 a, on a few limited games. Now the expectation is, can he become a top fifty player consistently? <laughs> um, that's really hard because um, you still have to take into account fouls. He he can become foul prone in 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 some games, and that's a big question mark that will affect his minutes. Um, so I, I I worry about the consistency. I, I do not question the upside. I, I I'm on board, but I'm worried about the consistency. And again, yeah, if I'm I'm gonna spend a top sixty pick for a guy who will give me top fifty value, um, no, I'd rather save my my upside guys for later. You know, because it's exactly. it's too close to what he might deliver. For sure, for sure. Uh, next two players is gonna be straightforward. Uh, do you think Enes Kanter has a chance to <laughs> still provide that? Because he was like one of the uh, favorite uh, ads last season due to the Nurkic oh, yeah, injury. Yeah. He, he but, was um, crazy good. He was such exactly. a surprise <laughs> when Nurkic went down. Um, but no, there is enough depth in the in the Celtics front court between Williams, Horford playing both of whom. Will clearly play ahead of Cantor. Um, he'll see very, very limited minutes. I'll be surprised if he cracks 15. He's just very, very limited. He's just literally an insurance policy in, in shorts for them uh, to make sure that they have a third center. But he's not going to be worth it in fantasy. So I wouldn't draft him in, uh, I wouldn't even draft him in 16 team leagues. Exactly. Uh, this one, um, people remembered B12 uh, providing some handcuff value last season for Joel Embiid. I, do you think he would still provide that much of a value? Because um, whenever he's given a, 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 an opportunity, he kind of like, at least in deeper leagues, kind of help GMs. But they have the Andre Jordan. They, 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 they all, some, maybe they play um, uh, bro in the center sometimes to enable mellow play at the four? I don't know. The upside for, for Howard at his age already is very limited. Um, at best, he will be a block streamer in a lot of leagues, even deep leagues. I wouldn't draft him at all. Uh, so it, it's just not worth it. I, I'd only remotely consider him in leagues that are 20 deep or deeper. So yeah, I'm not I'm not too excited. Got it. Uh, and we've already mentioned this uh, earlier. Mason Plumley, he has an interesting role uh, this coming season for Charlotte Hornets. He's the lone, um, what they call this, uh, straight cut center. 
in the team because PJ yeah. Washington is kind of like a small ball center. Uh, yeah, I yeah. still think uh, PJ Washington gets more minutes because, uh, to be honest, I call <laughs> I sometimes call PJ Washington as uh, Borrego's prodigal son because he's kind of like he's one of the favorite players that he has in the team. But um, do you still think Mason Plumley could help teams this season? Yes, definitely. Um, he won't be as great as he was in Detroit, but okay. Um, the 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 Hornets were notorious last season for not even playing small ball. They played micro ball, right? They were playing yeah. as small <laughs> as possible. But there were they ran into certain situations where that's not viable, okay? Because even if all five of those small guys gang up on Joel Embiid, he will still dunk on the entire team, <laughs> right? For sure. And, and they will just fly off. They, they realize that they need um, an able-bodied big man when the, when the tempo slows down and the other opposing team is the one dictating the tempo and they're playing a half-court set and they have a, you know, a, a dangerous big man you know, punishing you in the low post and P.J. Washington is just, you know, just standing there and getting pushed back, right? <laughs> they need a body and that's what they realize and that's what Mason's Mason's role is with this team and he's going to provide that and there will be enough situations given them the matchups in the league that, 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 you know, that they're going to need Plumlee and he is actually the, 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 what, what, what made him see such a renaissance um, in fantasy last season was the development of his passing game yeah. it was very solid so if you have a big man who can pass out of the post like that it just serves to improve your, your options because PJ Washington is not a great passer, not not to to the level of Plumlee's maturity yet. So yeah, I think it it'll be slightly lower than Detroit, but he's not gonna fall off really hard. He, yeah, he learned not... a lot from he learned yeah, a lot yeah. from Jokic for sure. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, Stephen Adams. He had one of his worst season last year. Will that continue uh, coming to the Memphis Grizzlies? We're in. They have a very, very solid tandem in Triple J and Xavier Tillman. I really like those Huskies, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, being played. Right. Uh, yeah, I think trend down, uh, trending down is my outlook for, for Adams. Um, he will be a rebounding specialist at best and a physical enforcer, similar to what Plumlee is going to be doing for the Hornets because uh, JJJ and Tillman will have a hard time against really big, bigger centers. And that's where Adams will shine. But in situations where the Grizzlies can run and rely on, let's say, any other combination of, let's say, JJJ, Tillman, or even Brandon Clark, um, who is also pretty solid, those three might be the priority. And and Adams becomes a a lower priority in the front court rotation. Yeah, I also uh, think that... um... This is the time to really validate and you know let Triple J do his thing. Uh, I, I, I think he should be healthy because um, he had a lot of time to really rest. Well, just because season. he should, that doesn't mean he's gonna do it for you, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I like JJJ because he's uh, he's a, a, another per minute monster. Actually, he he doesn't play thirty minutes per game. He only plays somewhere in the 25-minute range. Imagine if he plays 32 minutes. That's crazy to think about it. Um, but 
you know, Stephen Adams, he'll, he'll, he'll trend down, but he'll still get some minutes. Um, there was this one thing I was able to watch before that uh, a few players were asked who they considered as the strongest NBA player physical strength-wise. They were quick to answer Stephen Adams. <laughs> he is really deceptively strong. So um, in, in the case where you need someone to really put a, a, a hard, strong body on a big man, let's say like Joel Embiid or let's say Carl Anthony Town or anyone, any center that will try to post up against you, you know, Adams can be there and be that, you know, solid offensive, defensive rebounder for your team. For sure. Because um, uh, I also believe that he has a very good basketball IQ, the way he uh, sees and uh, reads situations, especially during the days that uh, he was left out back at OKC. He was actually yeah, leading yeah. the team in terms of just being there and being the present. Uh, next one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Such resemblance, right? Uh, this yeah, one, yeah. this is one of my favorite last pick if I have a lot of IL in the <laughs> in the league settings. Uh, just I was just thinking that maybe I just put him in IL and then after drafting, I could just get someone in the free agency that is kind of, you know viable. But uh, do you believe in Thomas Bryant? He's okay. your offense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here. For, for, for your listeners, it's, it's okay to, to speak in Tagalog, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, it captures my sentiment the best. Thomas Bryant, crush ko dati yan, pero break na talaga kami. Sorry. <laughs> um, I really was in love with this game for a long time. Um, I, I liked his potential. I liked the fact that um, he can shoot threes, he can block shots, he can shoot at a decent volume and produce an impact on field goal. But the poor guy's been so injury prone. He's burned me so many times. And my rule of thumb now in in dealing with him, if he bounces back and I miss out, okay lang. Next year na lang. Tsaka na lang. <laughs> yeah. Right? But now, sige, let somebody else roll the dice. I am... Uh, my heart cannot take it anymore. <laughs> Masyadong na heartbreak na ako kay Thomas Bryant. Um, sorry. Um, pass na lang, boss. <laughs> last season would have been big for him, to be honest. I was expecting a lot last season. But, I know. I mean, he killed us <laughs> in the first uh, week happened? of the season. <laughs> All that's right. So, yeah. No, thank you. Uh, next up, um, despite getting limited minutes, I really admire how Nazrid provides mini stats. I, I kind of like this dude. Uh, what can you say about Nazrid? <laughs> um, it's so crazy because uh, one of the things that I like to do is uh, is take a peek at per minute guys, and Nazrid is one of the more fun per minute guys who just makes the most of his time on the floor considering he's playing behind such a an important player like Carl Anthony Towns yeah he's actually playing minutes in the 20s which is is pretty solid if you think about it and a lot of his minutes fine got bloated a bit when when Towns went down with covid and whatnot last season but um i love Nas Reed as a as as a as a deep league last center kind of guy. Um, he is... He will be ignored in almost every league. For sure, for sure. Because the assumption is 
there won't be enough minutes for Naz Reed because Carl Anthony Towns, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, he finds a way to contribute. He doesn't need a lot of minutes to give you six rebounds and a block and maybe suddenly a random three and 50 yeah. field goal. And I go, hey, that's odds are average on average better than the pickup I would have gotten if I streamed, for example, right? So, um, of course, his biggest appeal is if Carl Anthony Towns goes down, etc., etc. But he's shown that even playing behind Carl Anthony Towns, he's decently productive. So, yeah, I would probably be willing to own him um, in 16 teamers. Like in my 16 team leagues, two of them that, you know, if I have some upside picks that don't pan out, I might drop them and pick, just pick up Nasri. That's that's an example of what I would uh, do because if I want more stability on my team and I need a big man since he's an FA right now, yeah, sure, okay. My, my um this this late round pick didn't work out. Here's Nasri. Okay, I'll take him. I mean, I trust him enough that uh, it it's 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 a low ceiling, but uh, it, it's a reliable floor, surprisingly that he's provided. So yeah. Uh, I don't see much of an upward trend because of I expect actually Towns to play to to, to be healthier, but uh, he will have a stable floor. I don't think he will trend down either. Exactly, exactly. And then 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 the last center that we have for this episode. Um, this is this is something that is uh, juggling in my mind. Derek Favors played around 15 minutes to maybe 18 minutes to 20 in several instances behind Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is, uh, after that injury year, he's been healthy always. Hassan Whiteside, despite the bashes and everything, if there's like enough minutes, he could give you at least blocks. Now, behind Rudy Gobert, do you think at least in deeper leagues he could provide value? Okay. Uh, for context and for your listeners, yeah, he was one of the late round picks in my 16 teamers, but I was not one of those managers who picked him. I don't trust him. Uh, I feel that his explosive season with the Blazers was a fluke. He's a bad player. I think yeah. that he's a downward trend kind of guy, and he will not provide you anything in his 12 to 15 minutes assuming he gets that much. Um, I mean, if I was the Jazz, okay, if I was the coaching the Jazz, depending on the matchup, I would probably trust Royce O'Neal to play center and run small over bringing in Hassan. That's or Rudy Gay. Because Rudy Gay also plays center. Even Rudy Gay, okay? Yeah, Rudy Gay or, or Royce over Hassan. So no thank you. Um, I mean... I can't call him trending down because he's uh, he's at the bottom. He's already down. <laughs> yeah, he's at the bottom. I mean, he's on the floor. If you step on him, you just it's like parang apakan mo pa nakatapa ka ng tahe. So dudumihan lang sa batas mo, right? Um, but you have a point. At some point, there might be a window of let's say one to two games. He'll be a a block streamer. But that's all he is. Don't draft him. Just stream him situationally. But other than that. That's that's his upside. It will take a catastrophic injury to Rudy Gobert, okay, which is very unlikely based on his health in recent seasons. So, no, I'm definitely not high on white side whatsoever. I am not interested. The only upside uh, I see here, which is 
isn't even relevant to fantasy is finally he would learn how to defend in his long career. I hope he learns something out of Rudy Gobert because um, I, I really researched some videos and uh, some uh, basketball coaches in America in showing some comparison how good Gobert reads defense, how good he adjusts. And I hope I'm hoping at least for Gobert his own good. He's very yeah, exactly. Smart. I hope Hassan gets something out of it, at least even not in fantasy, because uh, Hassan Whitehead is someone that people remembered because of that Portland burst and maybe those uh, Miami heydays. But yeah, I think outlier. That's that was, that's what I call an outlier in a fluke. So, um, no, it's no more. <laughs> no need. It's like it, uh, it. I can get blocks elsewhere. I, I, I'd rather stream stream uh, Bismarck Biombo. <laughs> oh, I over Hassan Whiteside. And we, if you're watching right now in YouTube, you can really see uh, Eric's facial expression. That really sums it all. So that's actually all of it. We've, we, to be honest, I was I, I really had fun and I really learned a lot to the point that I think. Uh, for listeners, if you if once this uh, episode gets uploaded, I think despite being that long kind of it's like so episode, annoying. yeah, you, you can just you know move, move forward and check out specific centers because we've almost tackled every centers that we can think of. So it's it's a, it's a very solid uh, episode. Next year, I'm gonna think of something how to you know really make this a little bit shorter, but. Thank you so much, Eric. I really loved the session. I hope you had fun. And then I'll, I'll give you the table to really uh, tell everyone what would we expect from you and how would we see your work? Oh, all right. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, and yes, I also had a lot of fun um, uh, guesting on your show tonight. Well, we're recording in the evening, so it's it's, it's tonight uh, for, for, for us. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, on Twitter, please follow me um, at Rotomancer. That's R-O-T-O-M-A-N-C-E-R. Um, and I'm a, a, an editor at Hoopball. That's hoop-ball.com. And um, we're one of the top fantasy basketball websites out there on the internet. And um, regularly, our draft guide helps so many GMs crush their leagues. Um, you know, even new players... Um, they they get their hands on the draft guide. It accelerates learning. Um, like you said, um, you you've appreciated that you learned a lot. There's a lot of content in our draft guide. Uh, give it a look. Um, I mean, yes, we, we charge a subscription fee, but you'll get paid back at the end of the season when you win that pot money, baby. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's think of it as an investment, and um, as we put it, you know, as an expression here in the Philippines. Tuition lang yan, right? Tuition to get better, right? So, um, again, thank you very much for, for having me on your show. Um, and I look forward to maybe guesting again at some point in the future. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then also, um, I would, uh, like, you know, invite you. We have, like, a league wherein we kind of, like, ask the guests that we have here. Maybe if you still have the bandwidth. Uh, I'll be, you know, chatting you later because I'm pretty sure you have a lot of legs. So uh, I'm committed let's talk about to nine it. already as of now, and I want to <laughs> keep it at that level. But we'll see, we'll see. All right. Uh, 
I'm I'm afraid that I'll go over my limit. I mean, it's a big improvement. I used to play in 18 uh and every season. So I'm I'm I really wanna improve uh in in order to focus on, on, on certain leagues. Like yeah, higher I... high roller league. Like I have uh, one uh 10k buy-in league. Now that's Boom. pretty hefty, right? So yeah, um, I wanna focus on that. But but thanks, I appreciate. I appreciate the interest. Great, great. Thank you so much again, Eric, to our subscribers and listeners. Like, subscribe again, follow, share, and comment. Uh, again, uh, maybe you'll like get shocked of the, the hours that we spend here, but that's actually the juice there. We've spent a lot of time. We heard a lot of insights coming from a very uh, tenured um, sports analyst, very good uh, fantasy basketball analyst. He've already explained that uh, earlier before we start the show. So we are getting some goodies for this episode. And also, this is a special episode because this is an episode that involves our own Filipino pride that represents <coughs> the fantasy basketball in the NBA fantasy industry. So thank you so much. Um, we are available on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Teacher, and sometimes in Periscope. So mga paps, uh, see you. Happy weekend. Almost weekend. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of you guys drafting. Keep following the page. Keep following the, the content. And, you know, we are, especially me, I'm just, you know, out here trying to help you out. Kaya salamat and bye-bye.